Welcome to Season 1, Episode 12 of So Strange. I'm your host, Andy Myers. I'm an author and a paranormal researcher who never runs out of dad jokes. I have them stockpiled in bulk. Kind of like toilet paper back in 2020. Well, folks, here we are. We made it to the finish line. The season finale is upon us. I have something a little different lined up for you today. It's a paranormal potluck of sorts. Everyone's bringing something to the table. It's a buffet of boo, a spooky sampler platter, if you will. I recently had the privilege to sit down and interview people who've encountered the paranormal. Ordinary people with extraordinary stories. You'll hear their first-hand accounts of strange and spooky run-ins with the unknown. And believe me when I tell you, the following true stories will give you chills. So, dim the lights, lock your doors, snuggle in and pull the covers all the way up, because things are about to get so strange. If variety is your thing, you've come to the right podcast. We've got a little bit of everything on today's show. We've got ghouls, ghosts, flying jellyfish, alien markings, EVPs, goblin sightings, and phantom phone calls. But we begin with Anna and her son's unsettling birthday surprise. Okay, Anna, how does it feel to be the very first guest on So Strange? I am honored. <laughs> I'm such a fan. Hopefully the first of many, many guests that we're going to have on this show. I've been promising listeners that we're going to have a guest, and I think some of them probably stopped believing I was telling the truth because it took till the season finale for us to have someone on the show. But I thought you'd be a perfect candidate for uh, somebody that I could interview. You've had lifelong experiences with everything paranormal and weird, right? So many creepy things. Ever since I was a little girl, I just, the house I grew up in, so haunted, you know, you always get that feeling that somebody's watching you, and I'd see things out of the corner of my eye. I still do when I go to my mom's house. So, yeah, lifelong paranormal-ish. And I think the the feeling of, like, being watched is amplified when you're alone for some reason, because at least when somebody else is in the room, you have a distraction, you know, from that feeling. Totally. Yeah. So where should we begin? Because I've, I've heard bits and pieces of some of these stories, but um, do we want to start sequentially like from the very beginning or do you do you want to just hop around or do you want to start with the most traumatic mm -hmm. let's start with the one that i think about constantly okay um just because when creepy stuff happens with my kids you know i get into mama bear mode oh, yeah. i'm like don't mess with my kids <laughs> mess with me i don't care i can sage you the f out of here but don't scare my kids i saw a bumper sticker the other day it was on the back of a, a van at my at my daughter's uh, school and it said something like mama bear on board if you this is what the bumper sticker said it said if you hit me with my kids in the car i will beat you until the cops come <laughs> <laughs> i mean i understand completely it's yeah. just a whole different level of protection so uh, you can say your child's name or not. It's up to you. Uh, so kind of walk us through how it how it started. Sure. So um, my son, Logan, he's a second grader. Um, he'll be eight. But around his fourth birthday, he started getting a lot of anxiety. And he would tell me that he was so scared about the man in the window 
coming back on his birthday. And I was like, record scratch. Like, what? Um, and yeah, he said ever since he was a baby, a man in a dark cloak with a bird on his shoulder would come to his window the night of his birthday and talk to him and try to get him to come outside. And I was like, that's cool. Great. Excited about this. Because you don't want to react and scare him. Exactly. You just want more information. You ask open-ended questions. And I don't know, my first thought, the bird on the shoulder, I'm thinking like pirate. But, you know, then again, the cloak thing, you know, kind of throws you off too. How Can I ask how far off the ground is his window? Is it like a ground level window? Is it an upper story window? Yeah, he's on the second floor. It's on the second floor. So this man would appear at his window the night of his birthday. And God, just so creepy. Um so he said this man would appear in his window and talk to him. And it had been happening since he was a little guy. And he was just terrified. He said, I don't want to have a birthday. I don't want to fall asleep. So I'm like, okay, this isn't going to work. So, you know, um, I believe in energy work and bubbling up and protecting from lower, vib lower vibrations. Um, so we put a big bubble of protection around him in his bedroom. And um, I think it was his fifth birthday I started doing that. And happy to report he never had any more creepy cloaked visitors. So how many years did this? So this was like an annual thing on his birthday. Yes. He'd get paid a visit by mm -hmm. this stranger in the window. Yep. So that went on for a couple years? Yeah, a couple years. Oh and, you know, we tried to deduce, like, is this, he's very intuitive. He's a little old soul man. Um, so I'm like, gosh, maybe his imagination is just running wild, but I'm like, you know, who am I to say this isn't happening? You know, I've had dream encounters my whole life, ever since I was a little girl that I still have today, where I know in my heart of hearts that I'm having these visitations. Wow. You know, so if he's, if it kind of stopped when he was five, so it was going on when he was three and four, maybe two, and that's kind of par for the course, you know? After having talked with so many parents of intuitive children, it seems like age three and four is, um, without a doubt, the age that they seem to have these paranormal experiences. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's because they're finally old enough to verbalize what they're experiencing, but they're still young enough that they have the intuition and the ability to see these things in the first place. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't a pleasant feeling. I mean, he was scared of this character no. in the window, he right? He was so scared in this this cloaked figure would try to get him to come outside and then um, he'd be standing by the fence and he'd slightly pull the covers off of him and it was just so creepy. Mm, covers being pulled off is never good. No. Reminds me of that uh, paranormal activity movie, which obviously isn't real, but you know, <laughs> I've spoken with plenty of people who have had very real experiences mm -hmm. of having the covers pulled off by some invisible presence in the room. Mm -hmm. Well, whatever sage spray you worked, whatever kind of, you know, witchy healing magic bubble vibes you, you gave him, it must've worked. You know, I knock on wood. Um, but he still brings it up to this day. He's like, mom, I'm nervous about my birthday. I'm like, buddy, remember we got rid of, we got rid of that creepy spirit, you know, it's gone. Um, but it, it left a mark for sure. Wow. Well, and good riddance, because whoever that, uh, well, let's call him the pirate, uh, the, you know, pirate, <laughs> I don't know, Grim Reaper. The, gr the Grim Reaper Ooh, pirate. Yeah. 
the Grim yeah. Reaper pirate <laughs> with a bird on his shoulder. That's a bad sci-fi movie waiting to happen. <laughs> like Sharknado, right? Sharknado. You got the pirate Grim Reaper. Okay, so that's that's one account. Um, gosh, what, what other things have you experienced? Oh, my goodness. I have... Well, you know what they say. Sometimes it's not the house that haunted, ha- that's haunted. It's the person that's haunted. And I've come to believe that's true for me. I just attract a lot of spirits. Maybe it's because I'm open to it and they can sense that about me. Like, oh, this girl's she's, uh, she's clued in to us. So, um, yeah, I lived in this house once in Omaha and it was just creepy. Built in the 1920s, I think. And, um... There were a couple spirits there, and my sister is actually, um, I don't know if she'd call herself a medium, but she can converse with spirits, and um, her and I had to get rid of these guys. There was a spirit in the basement um, that was basically holding a spirit upstairs in the crawl space hostage um, from crossing over. So just weird things would happen in the house. You know, I'd, I'd see them out of my periphery um, often, but there'd be times when I'd be at home by myself and um, the spirit in the basement would find one of my cat's jingle bell toys and would be rolling it around. And I would be sitting there looking at my cat like, do you hear this? And she'd look at me like, you know, what the F? Um, so just creepy stuff like that. Um, I remember when my son was a baby, um, I would be in his nursery and, you know, he'd be on the changing table and I'd turn to get something and out of my periphery, I'd see it standing right behind me, you know, just the shadowy silhouette figure. Um, just so creepy. And is it one of these cases where you can't necessarily make out like facial features per se, but it's almost like human like shape, would you say? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There was, yeah. And why do they always have to be shadow? You know, why can't there one that's like rainbow colored? You know, come in, I come in peace. Like, you know. Yeah, I'd love a rainbow visit. <laughs> um, so let's let's back up to the cat toy incident. So you you would see these cat toys like move on their own accord. Well, so it was a split level home. Okay. Um, and I would be on the main floor, and then you can hear the basement. You know. It was open. So, yeah, I would be home by myself, and my cat, Janie, would be sitting with me on my lap or cuddling close, and we'd just hear, you know, ding, 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 in the basement, and it would just be creeping me the F out. Just things rolling around just down there. rolling around. And she was the only pet in the house, right? Yeah, yep. So it's not like there was another cat down there running around or anything? No. Oh, you know, anyone listening, you know, if you got your pet snuggled up with you, you're probably holding them extra tight right now. And I will say, uh, I think it helps to have a pet if you're prone to paranormal happenings, because sometimes if you hear a weird noise in the house, you can just say, oh, well, it's probably the cat or it's probably the dog. But it backfires on you when your pet is with you and accounted for. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So what did you do uh, with the shadowy figure when you were changing your son on the changing table when you saw it and it was just standing there looking at you? It's not like you could run out of the room because you have your child there on the changing table, right? No, it was terrifying. I just froze and I remember thinking, okay, oh my God, Um, what do I do? So I just grabbed him and ran out of the room and then tried to not think about it. But it's hard. It's so hard. You just... 
you know, mess with me, but don't mess with my kid. I never right. let him sleep in his crib by himself because I kept having this feeling that it would like be at his crib and watching him. And I'm just like, ick, you know, mm, no, not a good feeling. Um, my instinct might have been to throw the diaper, <laughs> throw the diaper at the ghost. <laughs> I don't know. That's just me. But, it, you know, you can claim I would have done this or I would have done that. Truth be told, I would have probably ran out of the room. You know, it's a, everyone thinks they're tougher than they are till you actually see an apparition right next to you. Truly. You know, yeah, truly. Close proximity. You had mentioned uh, once upon a time something about a, a, the a double doors, you know, with, with the cat and the double doors. Yes, what, what, so what was that encounter? Yep. So I was at my mom's house, the house I grew up in, and I was home from college and I was sleeping in the basement and, you know, her, her basement just has so much whack energy and it's just the feeling of always being watched, just trying to get from point A to point B as fast as you can. Um, but one night I was sleeping and that same cat Janie was with me and she was sleeping on the end of the bed and I, you know, in a deep sleep and all of a sudden I heard this voice right in my ear, right in my face go, Anna. And I freaked out. Who wouldn't freak out? Jane shot off the bed, like, you know, in cartoons when the cat just, just jumped straight up, yeah, straight up. And I saw this spirit ghost freaky thing dart through, through the closed double doors. And it just shook them, rattled them. And I was like, okay, guess I'm up for the day. Almost like, so it just passed through the door as if the, the presence was obviously, um, you know, not solid, but, solid. but solid enough. It rattled the yes, doors enough energy and force to shake the doors that were closed. So just weird stuff like that. One time I was getting ready for work and I wasn't feeling good. And I'm like, Oh gosh, should I call in sick? Um, and I was in there and I was home by myself and I heard a boom, boom, boom. The spirit pounded on the bathroom door as like, you know, scared the bejesus out of me. Well, yeah. Cause I mean, you, you're for, I mean, all paranormal stuff aside, you might be thinking there's an intruder in the house or something more more earthly, right? Mm -hmm. Yikes. Yeah. But there was nobody there. Nobody there. I'm guessing. I was all by my I texted my mom. I was like, are you home? She said, no, I'm at work. And I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> oh, geez. You know, it's uh, it almost becomes commonplace if you're prone mm -hmm. to this kind of thing. And yet mm -hmm. every time it happens, it's enough to make your blood turn cold. Absolutely. You know, and just... Just when your guard's down, these things, they, they tend to go in cycles, I feel, don't you think? I mean, almost like they, they're in clusters. They really do. They really do. And I remember, gosh, a couple summers ago, it was 2000, it was 2020, um, I was doing some remodeling on my bathroom, and they say that any sort of construction work or remodel, remodeling kind of, you know, stirs stuff up. And um, this old man spirit... <laughs> decided that he wasn't cool with the construction and he made himself super known. Um, you know, I don't think I slept for like a solid three weeks because he would be opening and closing doors in the middle of the night. I'd feel him standing next to me, just unsettling. You know, he wasn't a, you know, malicious sort of spirit, but I'm just like, Ooh, sir, let's go ahead and have you cross over. <laughs> so, you know, I, I got my sage and I lit my white candle and I invited my spirit team and the archangels to help me help him cross the rainbow bridge, you know? So, yeah, there's always one of those 
one of those ghosts who doesn't like change, Mm -hmm. you know, and I mean, heck, we each probably have a living person in our life that's kind of like that, that micromanages the home improvement project. Totally. Maybe it's your your dad or an uncle who's like, hey, you better measure that again. (laughs) You're going to go with with that gauge of pipe, you know? (laughs) should be using a crescent wrench on that one. Um I don't know if it is true. You hear these cases of any sort of remodeling and just kind of everything, everything goes bananas. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, we've, we've heard cases of there being a brand new build out, mm-hmm. you know, brand new home, brand new neighborhood. And as soon as the person sleeps in the house for the first night, there's paranormal activity. And in cases like that, um, you know, it could be a ghost or a, a spirit that was attached to the land. Mm-hmm. So they don't care what the house looks like. They're just upset that there's a house at all on what used to be their, you know, their land. Yep. So can you think of any, any others that you'd like to share on here? Oh man. Whether it's scary or a, a positive palate cleansing kind of one to end on a happy so note. So many. You could be, we, I mean, we could do a whole episode just with you on here. I, really I, I, I guarantee I, we could. You know, when there's a mic in front of your face, so you're like, uh, <laughs> of um, course. gosh, yeah. Ever since I was a little girl, I've just had these strange, reoccurring dreams and um at the time i didn't know i was astral projecting but since i've learned more about metaphysics and things i realized that's what i've been doing ever since i was a little girl i've been astral projecting to this house couldn't tell you where it was i know what it feels like very old victorian dark um there's a wrought iron huge gate and in these projections i am with um a dark force a dark energy whatever this energy is it has the ability to lift me up um can control my movements so scary when you are dreaming but you know it's not a dream it's real it feels real you know yeah scary terrifying and as i've gotten older i've been able to control them better and i know when i have these visitations projections whatever i'm doing um in dream world or across you know the astral plane um they used to scare the shit out of me i was i because i didn't know what was happening um but my most recent one was probably over the winter and i remember thinking okay i can control this I'm not going to let this freaky evil spirit, whatever this dark energy is, you know, mess with me. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that called? Lucid? Lucid yep. dreaming? Lucid dreaming. Yeah. yeah. But it's not really lucid. Like, cause I'm, I'm there You're and there. I'm doing it. It's just, it's so hard to explain. But if you've had something like this happen to you before, you know that it feels real and it's, it is real. Mm-hmm. Um, now you were telling me it was like a, almost like a sensation of being like lifted off the bed. Yes. Yeah. It feels like you're being moved and you are, I mean, I've woken up from these things and sometimes I have to force myself to wake up, yeah. but it's almost like you drop down to the bed. So was it some sort of like energy force in the dream or I don't know what it is, if it's a dream or an astral projection, if it's a real experience, but you physically felt the sensation of being lifted off the bed. Yes. Whether it's an energy or this Mm -hmm. presence. And then like when, when you would come to, when you would like, you know, wake up, so to speak, Mm -hmm. would you, you'd like fall back down into the mattress? Yeah. It's like a, yeah. I don't know how to explain it, but it's, it's physically affecting me. Yeah in the ether and in my room. Yeah. Well, and you know, some of us have had that, those dreams of falling, 
you know, you, you, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you fall and then you wake up as you're falling, but it almost sounds like yours is different because like, like there was a physical sensation of, wow, I was off the bed and I just, I fell back into the bed, mm-hmm. you know, totally. Ooh, you know, and here's the kind of tricky junction. Do you get one of those, you know, bedroom cameras, you know, what do they call those? Like <laughs> nanny cam or like whatever yeah. ring doorbell yeah. for the, for the inside of the house, because it'd be, um, it'd be interesting, um, to see if like you caught yourself on film levitating off the bed. Oh my God. Uh, cause it'd be cool if to have that footage, but at the same time, it's almost like you don't want to know if that's going on. Right. No ignorance is sweet, sweet bliss. Yeah, exactly. So, well, I don't know. That's, those are, yeah, that's really something, but you know, I agree with you. I think people are more haunted than places. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're prone to paranormal happenings that, that might be going on regardless if it's a new build out hundred year old farmhouse or, or anything in between. So, mm-hmm. well, and I know you've had positive experiences as well, you I know, have. so, uh, you're a super positive person. Um, for those who don't know, Anna, uh, is kind of multi-talented. She's a photographer and she's also an energy healer. She's certified in Reiki among many other things. So I don't know, good energy generally attracts good energy. So I know you've had plenty mm-hmm. of good experiences as well. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I sense spirits and energy all the time can't avoid it you know uber empath mode is activated (laughs) at all times uber empath mode i like that yeah (laughs) well uh thanks for being the official first guest on on the show i'll absolutely have you back again sometime to share some of the other stories you know maybe we'll lighten it up and we'll talk about some of your more like angelic and spirit guide type encounters but uh thanks for getting this season finale off to a good start oh thanks for having me Thanks again to Anna for taking the time to share her stories. She's a dear friend of the family. She's honestly one of the sweetest souls you could ever hope to meet. Um, you know, one of her stories about the the cat sensing the spirit who, you know, ran through and shook the double doors, that, that experience kind of reminded me of my own ghostly encounter involving a cat. Mine was a little bit different, though. And this is, uh, gosh, back in maybe 2009. And uh, at the time, I was uh, living with a girlfriend and uh, her cat uh, quickly suddenly became very ill. Um, the cat passed away within a matter of days. Obviously, it was a very, very sad, traumatic event. Well, the night after the cat passed away, I awoke in bed to a blood-curdling noise, and the noise was a cat meowing. <laughs> now, the cat that we had just lost was the only animal in the house. Uh, I was fully awake when I heard this and uh, lying there in bed uh, the bedroom door was open and around the corner uh, led into the kitchen and it sounded like the the cat the cat meowing was actually getting closer and closer and closer and it just was terrifying I was I was so frightened so terrified I just I couldn't move I began sweating profusely my my blood ran cold and I had goosebumps and the hair on my, you know, on my arms is standing up. And I, I just, I, I, I just panicked. I didn't know what to do. And the, the meowing's getting louder and louder and louder. And then eventually it just kind of comes to a stop. And I'm laying there in bed. And clearly uh, my girlfriend at the time didn't hear it because she was sound asleep. And well, I had one predicament. <laughs> and this was that I had to go to the bathroom very bad. Uh, But the problem was, to get to the bathroom, I had needed to go into the hallway, which was right through the area where I heard the cat meowing and getting closer. 
Uh, so eventually I throw the covers off and I make a break for it, and I sprint. Uh, I sprint into the into the bathroom, I do my business, and, uh, you know, on my way out, you know, again, my, my blood pressure's probably still sky high, and on the way through the hallway trying to make it back to my bedroom, I went to take a step, and I literally, my instinct kicked in, and I tried to step over and around what I saw on the floor, and it caught me off balance, and I stumbled into the wall. What I saw on the ground was a translucent ghost cat uh, curled up on the ground. So if you can imagine like a cat uh, in a sleeping position just kind of curled up into a little ball on the kitchen floor tile. And it was solid enough that, again, my instincts kicked in. You obviously don't want to step on an animal that's on the ground. Um, and it was solid, but I could see through it at the same time. So it was kind of translucent and kind of shimmery. So I stumble into the wall, just about knock a picture off the wall, sprint into the bedroom, slam the door behind me, and uh, I don't think I slept a wink the rest of that night. So come next morning, I woke up and, you know, told my girlfriend about the experience. Uh, she didn't really know what to make of it because <laughs> she hadn't had that many brushes with uh, the paranormal. Um, I threw her into the deep end of the swimming pool uh, <laughs> pretty quickly with all the stuff that I had going on. But the next morning, you no, know, I'm pouring my cup of coffee and I go into my home office and sit down at the computer to check some emails. And it, it happened to be the room of the house where her cat spent all of its time. It was kind of a neurotic cat. It had its food and water and litter box in there, and that's just where it stayed. It was just the cat had some issues with, you know, marking and going to the bathroom and other rooms of the house. So it, basically, for the time that that, that critter was alive, it, we, he pretty much took over uh, the home office. So I'm sitting there at my computer, and I just like right directly in front of me, if you could imagine just over in front of my desk, I see a orange tail flick by as if a cat was just walking right on the other side of my desk. And it wasn't, in fact, an orange uh, male tabby cat that, that we had just lost. But I saw its tail clear as day, unmistakably, to the point where... I jumped up out of my chair, ran around the other side of the desk, desk you know, uh, assuming I'd see this thing. Well, of course, nothing was there. The cat had passed away, but uh, I was left wondering, you know, was I seeing residual energy? Was I seeing, you know, kind of like an imprint, a, a leftover, you know, video stuck on a replay from, you know, all the leftover energy that that cat had expelled within the confines of that room? Uh, or was it just dropping by to, to pay us a visit and, you know, let us know that he had crossed over the Rainbow Bridge? Um, I don't know, but I know the orange tail flicking <laughs> the next morning was a lot less terrifying than uh, seeing a, the ghost cat apparition on my floor of my kitchen. But of course, you know, everything's scarier at nighttime. You know, uh, the things that go bump in the night are um, exponentially more terrifying when it's dark and it's late and your your mind's wandering and playing tricks on you. But ghost cats are one thing. Uh, the person I interviewed next had an encounter with a few creatures that don't seem to fit into the animal kingdom, at least not as we understand it. So here's a conversation that I had with a, a nice guy named Chris. All right, we want to welcome Chris to the show. How's it going, Chris? Good. Good. Thanks for being on the So Strange podcast. And uh, from, from what I gather, you have quite a unique experience that that you uh encountered uh from the, from the sounds of it do you want to 
kind of walk us through uh, how it happened, when it happened, where? Just kind of give us all the details. Uh, sure. Um, I was uh, at home in my house. Uh, it was late, late at night. I was sleeping and uh, just happened to wake up in the early morning. And um, when I opened my eyes, I, I saw these uh, 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 four glowing um, things floating in my bedroom. And um, the best way to describe what they looked like is that they looked like uh, jellyfish. Um, they were different sizes, uh, different colors, um, and they kind of, uh, well, I'll describe the colors. I had, there were two of them that were white, and they were the smallest ones. There was one that was yellow, uh, but the one that I was the most, uh, um, the one I looked at the most was the was the biggest one, and it was blue, and it was the one that was the most visible. Um, and like I said, they looked like jellyfish. They had uh, tentacles. They had a hood. the The blue one had like a pattern kind of on the hood, and they would just they just kind of floated there, um, and they kind of moved to the side and kind of move up. And then they just kind of stop, um, you know, and the first thing I did when I seen them was I kind of shut my eyes to open them back up just to make sure I wasn't seeing anything. And when I opened my eyes back up, they were still there and they, they were very pretty. I will say that too. Uh, this, um, and you know, they didn't feel threatening or anything. I even said hello to them. So this is incredible. You know, and just when you think you've heard every paranormal thing you could possibly hear, I've never come across anything like this in all my years, Chris. And this is a truly unique story. Um, now, so you you weren't dreaming. I mean, that's kind of why you blinked and closed your eyes and mm -hmm. you probably expected it to be a dream, right? Yeah. Or... Or I was like, well, maybe these are just eye floaties or something like that. But it, it, it was nothing like that because they had they had some depth perception to them because they were several feet away from me. Now, the smallest ones, the two small white ones, um, is there mm -hmm. anything that you could compare their size to? Like, are we talking about um, like the main uh, the main body of it being like the size of a baseball or basketball or like what's sort what, what what's a size reference that we could imagine? Uh, I would say. The, the the small ones were probably like the size of a penny and the biggest one was probably like the size of a golf ball. Okay. And the, the yellow one was kind of in between uh, those two sizes. But even, even uh, you know, something so small, if, if they're floating above your bed, you're still close enough. You know, you, mm -hmm. saw, you saw what you saw. Um, when you and it wasn't threatening, you've already said it didn't feel malicious or or wasn't there to cause any harm. You you, you said hello to it. Um, you know, did you ever did it did it ever? You know, did you feel like these were more like extraterrestrial? Do they? I mean, you know, not that we have all the answers or will ever have all the answers, but I mean, what category would you put these in? Uh, angel, spirit, extraterrestrial, fairy, uh, some miscellaneous. I, I'm not really sure because 
uh, you know, the next day, you know, because this was such a unique experience, I, you know, hit the internet and it just kind of looked this type of stuff up and uh, speared animals popped up, but, uh, and, and, you know, the animals on the totem kind of popped up, but it, uh, what they were kind of describing really wasn't what I saw. Yeah. Now the, uh, the, you said the blue one, the, the biggest one had almost like a little pattern to its, uh, Oh, uh, you called it a hood. I don't know what else you would call it. Like the top part, if it's a jellyfish reference, like the top part almost had a pattern to it. Um, yeah. Do you know what kind of pattern it was? Um, did it did it appear Na- to be like natural, like a camouflage kind of pattern, or was it something different? Yeah, I'm not really sure what what, what kind of pattern it was. Sure. Uh, about how long do you think they they floated there? And then when the experience ended, uh, did they? What happened? Did they just disappear? Did they fly away? Did uh, you know? Uh, they were visible for I'd say a good ten seconds, and uh, they just disappeared. Sure. Um, Was it kind of just slowly kind of evaporated right before your eyes? Yeah, just, yeah, just slowly disappeared. Sure. Was anyone else in, in the room with you at the time? Uh, my wife, she was asleep, though. Yeah, kind of figured that that was the case. Throughout your life, have you ever been prone to any other, you know, weird happenings or paranormal things? Or was this kind of like a standalone incident? Oh, no, I've I've had different experiences throughout my life. I'm, it's kind of uh, something I'm, I'm really ex- have been exploring the last few years. Yeah. Out of all the comparatively, does that one kind of stand out above the rest as one of the more strange paranormal encounters you've had? Yeah, it does. Mainly because it was something that I had to like, it was one of the very few things I hit the internet on. And I still ask myself, what was that? I still don't really know what that was. Yeah, and I I wish I had some answers for you, Chris. <laughs> I've never heard a story uh, like this before. I, I've talked with people who have seen all sorts of weird things, but it kind of stands out as unique, um, you know. And who who knows? We may never know. Um, maybe a jellyfish is our only reference point, you know. Uh, y- you know, it, it's kind of funny too because you know you think back. Uh, you know, a few thousand years to like biblical times, if they saw anything flying around in the sky, they wouldn't, they they didn't even have airplane or aircraft to compare it to. So they might compare it to a bird, um, even if it was made of metal and came from somewhere else, you know what I mean? So I don't know, maybe this being uh, exists in some, I mean, we can only speculate, but are they interdimensional? Are they extraterrestrial? Uh, I think the main thing there was, was that is, it was not a scary incident at least. No, it wasn't scary at all. I was very fascinated with them. They were very pretty because they glowed. And Was there any, I'm guessing there was probably no noise, but I have to ask, was there any kind of a noise in the room? Did they emit any kind of a sound? No. Okay. No. So in terms of all the other ambient uh, things in the bedroom, everything was kind of par for the course. But yeah, I mean, just when you least expect it, uh, weird, strange uh, phenomena can occur anytime. And I think, you know, sometimes maybe I'm just speaking for myself here, but I think when it occurs inside the home, it almost adds another 
another level of mystery to it because it's almost like on your turf. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't, that's your living space. You know, you have to sleep yeah. there every night. It's not like it happened in a forest and you can walk away and never go back to the forest. I mean, you're, it's, it's in your home court. So, well, any yeah, other, my... any, any other thoughts or ideas or theories uh, about this encounter? It, it, it's, I mean, it truly remarkable incident. Um, a friend of mine that I told about it, they uh, had me uh, look up uh, something called elementals. And, and I did kind of look that up. And uh, the internet had like sketch drawings, different websites, and it, they kind of fit the description a, a little bit. Um, that's about it, honestly. Sure. Um, and I don't know much about elementals. I think some people... Uh, whether this is accurate or not, some people kind of lump into that category, uh, you know, everything from fairies to elves, uh, gnomes, dwarves, pixies, you know, things like that. But yeah, that might be as close as we're going to get because I don't I don't have an answer for this one either. But um, but I think that's kind of the fun part about paranormal happenings. We don't necessarily need to find the answers and sometimes just getting it off our chest and discussing it with others is uh, is enough. But um, you know, even if we figured this one out, there's always going to be other mysteries that we can't quite wrap our head around, but. but. Yeah. Cause I've, uh, my, my, the house I lived in, um, cause I've recently moved that, um, there was never any activity. Uh, it was not a haunted house. I, I, when we, when we bought the house and went house shopping, I would tell my wife, I'm like, you know, you have to listen to me. I'm going to, I don't want a haunted house. <laughs> right. Cause, cause I've been in haunted houses and you know, I, I pick up on it like right away. It, yeah. It's the weirdest thing. And, and so this house I had no, you know, it, no activity at all. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll tell like another story and I don't know if this will be related to this or not, but like, you know, a friend of mine, kind of was talking to me about uh, meditation and they she she was kind of like yeah you should really try this and it'll help you clear your mind and and you know see what happens and she kind of gave me an exercise where it was like uh pick a thought and hold it as long as you can or clear your mind and hold it as long as you can and i kind of adopted that like at the at night time where i would uh, try to clear my mind and hold it as long as I can just to kind of shut my brain off. And ironically that night I had done that exercise and then later woke up to jellyfish. That's why my friend was like, what did you do? I just did the exercise you told me about. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it opened up Pandora's box. I guess, but you know, Occasionally in, in the house, I, I'd see some orbs here and there, but they were just, I don't know, passing through. I mean, nothing was attached to the house at all. So yeah. it's interesting. I, it, you know, your experience almost reminds me of uh, my favorite movie. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but uh, Avatar. You yeah, know, there's a there's a scene in Avatar where the, the main character is about to shoot uh, a bow and arrow. And these kind of floaty jellyfish type things come out of the sky and like land on the tip of his um, 
arrow, almost as if to say, don't shoot. And apparently these were, you know, like a spiritual creature of that world. And, um, you know, the other, you know, the native was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is so rare. So I don't know. And turns out that main character, Chris, he, he tended, he ended up having some like special spiritual connection and he like saves the whole planet. So I don't know. Maybe you've got a little something special going on. Maybe you're the chosen one for these kind of floaty jellyfish type creatures. So you'll have to keep us updated if anything happens. Yeah, I haven't seen them since because this has been some time ago. Um, I I don't know. know. Uh, Life keeps us busy. So a lot of times the paranormal comes to me. Um, I I don't have time to seek it out, really. You know. Yeah, no, I get you. Life, life happens. And sometimes it kind of ebbs and flows like that, where, you know, paranormal happenings kind of go in clusters. And uh, but you're right. Uh, you don't have to be an active paranormal investigator uh, to to have, you know, these these encounters, because uh, if you're intuitive or, or prone to these types of things, they'll find you uh, probably when you least expect it. And they might take a form uh, that they never could have imagined either, even if that's the form of a jellyfish. So, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, well, thanks so much, Chris, for uh, for being a guest on So Strange. Yeah, thanks for having me. I. I want to say I enjoy all your Facebook posts and I like your Q and a sessions. Uh, one of these days I'd like to get a, a past life reading. Cause I, I think that would be very interesting. Otherwise our, our meeting, our session would just be me asking you stuff on, you know, what, what, what did I see here? What was this? Why does this happen? <laughs> sure. You know, sure. How do I do this? You know? Well, I always tell people I don't have all the answers, but I, I sure love talking about the what ifs and the and the possibilities. But yeah, the past life session would be would be a lot of fun as well. So we'll have to set that up sometime soon. Yep, all sounds right. good. Cool, Chris. Thank you very much. Yeah, have a good rest of the evening. Okay. You too. Thank all you. Right. Take care. Curiosity got the best of me, and after Chris mentioned these elementals, I started to do a little digging on the subject. And uh, it's a pretty deep rabbit hole to fall down into, but essentially it's thought that, you know, various magical beings correlate to the four elements of of our planet. You know, you got earth, air, water, and fire. Uh, for example, gnomes and fairies are apparently associated with the earthly elements, uh, mermaids with water, etc. As for uh, what Chris actually saw in his bedroom that night is anyone's guess. I mean, I'm left scratching my head on this one. Uh, If we were playing a game of Stump the Psychic, Chris would have won all the bonus money with this encounter. Uh, Thanks again to Chris for agreeing to be on the show. And up next, uh, we have Kelly Kennedy and some of the shenanigans that she's gotten into during all her years of uh, paranormal investigations. And she's been on a lot of them. Longtime ghost hunter, paranormal researcher, extraordinaire among (laughs) many, many hats you wear. Do you want to give a a quick background, Kelly, and kind of tell people like how you got into this and, and uh, you know, just a little context. Yeah, sure. Um, so I have been investigating ghosts since I was 20-ish. Um, and I will share, I am 38, so that gives you math there. Um, I, when I was a kid growing up, I would come home with the scary little tales from daycare and school. And my dad being the not so normal parent would say, Oh, well, let's see. And we would go to the cemeteries and go to the black angel and do the crazy things when I'm five, six years old. And, um, I, my most vivid memory of this was I was, I was still in daycare at this time. So I wasn't even in school 
and uh, one of the little kids at daycare brought up Bloody Mary, and I came home and told my dad in just this fear that we're going to die because Bloody Mary happened at my daycare, and this little kid did the whole flush the toilet and turn the lights (laughs) off and say Bloody Mary in the mirror, and I thought, well, this is how I die, and I come home, and I tell my dad about it, and he says, oh, well, let's go try it. Um, so that was my childhood. So obviously I was <laughs> destined for great things, right? <laughs> and, you know, history is repeating itself because, you know, collectively all three of our daughters are growing up with ghosts and the paranormal being totally normal. Yes. Um, so this explains why we need therapy, basically, right. as adults. I, I've had to have the conversation with Sophia, younger than Alexis, um, that, you know, you, you can't go to your friends and talk about the ghosts that you're encountering on the daily basis because some of those kids get a little scared. I got a phone call from a parent uh, about, it's been about six months ago. And, um, you know, we appreciate that Sophia, uh, you know, is okay with ghosts, but the story that she told my daughter, she didn't sleep for three days. Oh, whoops. Okay. So we'll have that conversation earlier than expected. You got to balance it out with some (laughs) rainbows and unicorns and more lighthearted stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, we're going to get into uh, a couple different things here. Uh, you know, EVP, you know, I think many of our listeners probably know what an EVP is in, in the ghost investigation realms. But before we play a couple of the best ones that you've captured, do you want to explain to everybody what an EVP is? Yep. So EVP stands for Electronic Voice Phenomena. And what we do as paranormal investigators, we're always trying to uh, find the scientific proof of paranormal activity. Um, so to prove ghosts that are in your house. So if you call us and say we have a haunting and we need your help, we're going to bring digital audio recorders set up all over your house and we're going to try and, and communicate with the spirits. Um, so the EVP is something that's traditionally not heard by your ears. Um, it picked up just p- specifically from that audio recorder. And with my EVPs specifically, um, how they will be played is I play the original file, and then I loop it with it um, amplified a bit so you can hear it a little bit better. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's and it's kind of one of those things where the investigation itself is uh, it's fun, but then the real tedious work begins when you have to go back and like basically re-listen to the whole night to see if you caught any voices or whispers, right? Right. I'm up to about eight recorders now, and so if we have like a six-hour-long um, investigation. That's six times eight just from audio. Um, plus we usually are setting up anywhere from four to seven or eight cameras as well. So it's a lot of work, a lot of work. Um, we've been trying to kind of do a little bit of, of audio recorder, audio recordings while we're live and playing it back, listening to it while we're still there. Um, but the, the issues that we're running into is a lot of times we get EVPs that afterwards it's like oh my gosh if I knew that was happening I probably wouldn't have stayed (laughs) so (laughs) now we're hearing that real time so I don't know I don't know (laughs) oh yeah it's all fun and games till you actually hear something right Right? (laughs) well uh let's get into it so uh we're about to play the first EVP um what's a little background and context of, of this first one okay so um both of these evps are coming from a private residence here in omaha nebraska um that prism was lucky enough to investigate many 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 years straight at this house um started with the homeowners just calling us and needing help uh the weird part about it was every time we came to the house something different happened we caught some 
different sort of voice, different style of voice. We had children, we had adults, we had everything possible that came through through this house. So uh, we spent many, many years investigating and then it sat on the market for a long time and we had full access to it then. So that was fun too. Um, this particular EVP was from uh, when it was, it had just become vacant and we were set up and one investigator I had in the children's room and then the rest of us were in the master bedroom ac directly across the hallway. And the unique part about this EVP is the investigator that was in the room actually hears it. Oh, wow. So mm -hmm. they actually, so it's one of those that actually heard it as it was happening. Yes. Now, the investigator was a, a sensitive, so uh, that could be part of the reason why she heard it. And the rest of us, like I said, we were just across a hallway in a house, um, and none of us heard it. So, Okay. Well, let's let's let everyone take a listen. So, so here it is. We'll play uh, we'll play a clip of the EVP that was captured. Okay, so there was the sound clip, uh, clearly a growl, um, it, it, and they heard it in the moment. Is is the thing that makes this one kind of unique? Right, right, yeah. It it was a it was scary. The investigator that heard it, uh, she, she took a good thirty minutes to calm down from that one. Uh, that was that that rattled her, um, and then the fact that I was able to catch it and then validate her experience was was one one for the books for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it almost reminds me of. Uh, Gosh, what's that? You know, like Jungle Book, like Mowgli or something like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> who, who actually growls when right. you're angry? You right. can say get out. You right. You can say leave. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that, yeah, that would be unsettling to say the least. You know, uh, kind of makes your hair stand on end, and give you goosebumps type of deal. Right. Right. Um, definitely makes you feel unwelcome. Exactly. Yeah. Now this this house when it was sitting on the market vacant. I mean, did they did they ever have to disclose that this place was haunted? Um. So. After it sat on the market for well over a year, the owners decided to go with it being haunted. Um, they changed the kind of listing of it. Uh, they got they found a realtor that was willing to do it as haunted. Um, the reasoning behind that was they actually were getting people that were interested in the house. And then very strange things were happening to them on their final walkthroughs uh, to the point where they were deciding that this was not the house for them. One of which being the family member, the husband was locked in the garage while the wife was doing a final walkthrough upstairs. And there's literally no way that it's possible. So <laughs> that, that almost reminds me of uh, the movie Beetlejuice, right, right? Right. where the two dead people are like actively trying to haunt the people walking through the home. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Real life Beetlejuice. Yes. Yes. Um, okay. And now the second EVP, what's a little context for this next one that okay. we're about to play? Um, so coincidentally came from the same room of this house. Um, this time we are all present in the room and a lot of times in investigating, especially when it gets late into the night, um, as investigators, we try to stay on task, but sometimes we don't, we are not completely on task. And a lot of times we have found that when we're just chit chatting, the spirits come through and want to chat with us too. And they want to be involved in the conversation. And so that's exactly what this is. We are having a conversation. I'm actually sharing a situation that was happening, um, with a person at the work that I was at at that point. And, um, just, just kind of talking and the spirit interacts with us. All right. Well, let's, let's go ahead and play this clip. So here it is. 
so then they go outpatient and they basically stick like a, a like a medical screwdriver in and twist it to make it grow. Wow. And they do that like every couple months until he's done growing. Yeah. I'm so glad I just tore my ACL and don't have to go through all that. Right. And they do that like every couple months until he's done growing. Yeah. And they do that like every couple months until he's done growing. Yeah. Okay. Now, usually when a person hears an EVP, everybody interprets it, you know, uh, fairly similarly. But again, you know, every person's ears are kind of unique. So um, when when you all listen to the audio playback of this, what, what did you guys believe it said? So the first word is definitely wow. Um, the second word is questionable. It could be another wow, just a different kind of way of saying it. I don't really know. I don't know. You'll just have to be the judge of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. I, I remember, uh, gosh, this was years ago, and as you know, I, I don't always get the time to do paranormal investigations right, as, yes. as often as I'd like, but about a decade ago, I was in, uh, I think it was Grand Island, and we were doing an investigation, and I brought my uh, digital audio recorder, and I remember at one point, me and the gang, we asked how many uh, spirits are in the room with us, and on the playback, it clearly said seven. Oh, wow. It's kind of a whisper, but like seven. Yeah. You know, and then I was thinking, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking of that Western movie, The Magnificent Seven. I was like, <laughs> how many spirits does it take to haunt a house? Right. Know? But that's it sounds like that particular room of that particular house was a bit of a hotbed. It was. It was. Yeah. Um, that that whole house was a hotbed. I think at, at one point in time, we, we kind of had some sensitives and, and, and folks that feel a little more than I do that thought maybe it was even a portal of some sort because of just how many different kinds of spirit activity we had there. So for sure. Now this, this house, if, if we're allowed to, to say this much was, was this the one that was in like the Northwest part of Correct. O- Omaha? Yep. Okay. Yep. And I know North Omaha. Now you get into like Northeast Omaha. Uh, I know not everyone's listening is from this area, but the Northeast part of Omaha is kind of the older part uh, kind of down by my old stomping grounds where yeah. I grew up, and the north part of the city is just notorious for a lot of ghost activity. Um, you know, you have historic Florence and, you know, uh, things like that. And um, But speaking of portals, I only bring up North Omaha because a lot of people out there claim that uh, the north part of Omaha has a lot of portals, a lot of gateways yep. to other worlds, other dimensions. I've never personally seen one, but it does make you wonder given how much activity there seems to be. Right, right. I agree. I agree. Uh, You know, we've investigated all over Omaha, many, many years worth of investigating. And surprisingly enough, the Florence and Benson areas are not as the the normal people that are calling us for investigations and i really think it's because that kind of group knows what they're getting into when they live in that area <laughs> and they're just like yeah yeah we got spirits that's what we got so <laughs> but, but they knew that buying the right house. exactly exactly it's just par for the course right yeah and benson yeah benson will come up a time or two on this uh on this podcast that's a area in the north part of omaha i used to live there in a house that was uh notoriously haunted <laughs> and we can get into the the garden gnome story later. Oh on, yeah, perhaps. that's a fun one. <laughs> but, you know, but uh, more recently, you did an investigation. What was it? Just last weekend? Um, yes, yes. Actually, this weekend. It was okay. Oh yeah, yeah just yeah, yeah just that's a couple right. days ago. Just a couple days ago. Time's flying. I, <laughs> I, I really wanted to be there at that one, and although my daughter Sky is interested in the paranormal, <laughs> I, I think 
you know, moseying around a graveyard at midnight is a little too much for an eight year old. <laughs> yeah, I think you're probably right there. I, I also didn't bring my 13 year old. So, right, <laughs> you <right>. know, <laughs> so but there was a reason why you guys were at this particular cemetery. Do you want to give the backstory on that? Yes, sure. So a uh, member of the team, Brianne, um, one of her clients, she's a hairdresser and one of her clients contacted her because um, she has been sharing on social media and different various uh, you know, different various areas that she is uh, into ghosts and she is part of a paranormal investigative team. And this gal shared a story of uh, she was at a cemetery. Um, she was just relaxing and kind of making peace with herself at a cemetery in the middle of the night because some people do that. Mm -hmm. um, and a dog-like creature charged at her. Um, she explained it as... Uh, it looked like a dog, but it didn't have a tail. It was taller than a dog, though, had longer legs, um, ran sort of like gorilla ape-like towards her, um, charged at her, and then kind of almost looked at her and then turned and charged back the other direction. She actually thought that it was going to attack her. Um, so, yeah, we were, we were on the hunt for this dog creature for sure. Yeah, and... You know, and it's kind of weird, though, because cemeteries, you know, people think ghost. Immediately you think yep. ghost. But it's not the first, uh, uh, it's not even the first a recent account of a, do a weird dog-like creature here in the Omaha area. But as a avid uh, listener of another podcast called The Dogman Encounters Radio, people all over the country are seeing werewolf-type creatures. The thing about this particular account that gives me the willies is that it ran kind of gorilla-like. Yes, yes. Because there's a big difference between how a dog runs versus how a gorilla scrambles about. Right, right. Um, so she said it was missing patches of fur, almost like it was mangy. Yep, it was mangy. She said it looked mangy, no tail. Um, just, yeah, it really kind of creeped her out. Well, and it almost sounds like uh, it kind of charged at her, but it sounds like more of like a bluff charge. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. And and that very much is more of a gorilla type behavior right. as opposed to dogs. Right. I mean, I'm not a wildlife expert, but you know these these bluff charges. Um, dogs don't typically do that. You know, if a dog's going to attack, it's going to attack, or it's going to leave you alone. Right. It's not trying to intimidate you. Right. Right. Um, that's very strange. Um, so you didn't see anything. You didn't see any dog-like creatures in your hunt? Okay. No, we didn't see any dog-like creatures in the hunt. Um, however, so I, you, you are much more suited to investigate dog creatures than I am. Um, <laughs> well. I, I went armed with, uh, you know, an audio recorder and my SLS camera and the portal box. You know, I was looking for ghosts. This is a cemetery. I don't really know what I would have done had the dog creature come out of the woodworks there. Hey, no, you're, you're, uh, just as prepared as I am because I'd be equipped with nothing more than my intuition and a flashlight. <laughs> I know when my buddies and I went to, uh, Arkansas and Oklahoma looking for the the dog man like we we were unarmed we just had oh flashlights we had we had mace and i think a taser but we had no firearms yeah um, not that it would do any good because these accounts you hear of these dog man type creatures i mean they're like they're like sasquatch on steroids I right mean, they, bullets aren't going to do the, anything to this thing right nor would a bullet do anything to a ghost <laughs> no no and hence the reason i didn't have any guns with right, me yeah right. i just i came with my uh uh, our cameras and our audio recorders. I haven't gotten a chance because it was just two days ago. I haven't gotten a chance to listen to audio yet. So we might be on sitting on some gold there, but, uh, 
um, we we set up the portal box and we had the portal box going and we started catching like children's voices coming through on the portal box. And then we turned the SLS camera on and right as we turned the SLS camera on, we caught a childlike figure on the SLS camera. Uh, clearly childlike because Brienne was actually standing in the, the shot and it's, it's definitely a, much smaller than her. Um, the size, yeah, the size comparison, you could tell it was a child. For sure. So yep. this box, now back up a little bit because I feel like technology has oh, passed yes. me by since yes. last time I went <laughs> investigating with you. Because when you sent me a picture of this thing, I was like, what the heck is that? Like, what is <laughs> yeah. this technology? Yeah. So what it does it, is it like, is it like a radio channel or something that like scrambles and like random words come through or something? So the portal box, yes. So okay. the portal box is, it's the, the old... Uh, spirit boxes that was just the AM FM radio that would scroll the radio frequencies. Um, but then the portal box, you actually hook it into a, a, an adapter that pulls the static out of it. Oh. So you're skipping that staticky part. So you're just getting the voices coming through. Um, and it's creepy. It's and, they could, really and it could be creepy. any word. It's like random words. It's random words. Yeah. Okay. And it's, it's super, super creepy. So that's the portal box. And then the SLS camera that I sent the picture on, um, that's actually an Xbox connect. Oh, that's hooked up to a tablet that makes it um, to where I know, right? Your dad, your dad would be rolling over in his grave. <laughs> he would be. Uh, he would be. That was one of my like really excited purchases of the year was the SLS camera. I was really happy about that one. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. I mean, and technology just changes so quickly. I mean, in five years, we could be having another conversation about a new piece of tech right. that's available. Well, and it's going to be less than five even. I mean, I would even think, yeah, this year we could come out with something else. There's so many t very talented engineering type people. I wish I was one of them because <laughs> we could make so much money. <laughs> well, in this, this portal box, um, so it's basically a spirit manipulating your electronic device to say whatever word they want to say. So not that... Not that this would happen, but for example, you could be eating an ice cream cone during your investigation. The portal box says ice cream and you're like, what the bleep? Because you feel like you're being watched. Right. right. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Sophia's biggest fear is that when I'm using the portal box or any of our S boxes and we sneeze, does it say bless you? That is her question. Now, it's never happened. We've not ever sneezed on an investigation, surprisingly enough, yeah. like when we're using the portal box or the S-Box or any of those boxes. But um, that's my, my six-year-old daughter's biggest fear in life is that the box is going to say, bless you. Well, there's got to be a polite ghost out there. <laughs> right. Not right. all of them are monsters. <laughs> but surprising you haven't sneezed during an investigation. Oh, that's, that's very much impressive, yeah. Considering how many dark, dusty places you're crawling <laughs> yeah, through. Right? Exactly, exactly. So, um, so you do okay in haunted houses. Houses. Uh, what about these like haunted house attractions that pop up during Halloween? Can you can you deal with chainsaw wielding clowns, or do you stay away from those? I I'm okay with the chainsaw wielding clowns. Um, that's actually a, a really funny story. So we we spend our Friday evenings in October out at Haunted Hollow um, here in town. It's a haunted attraction, and it's actually haunted haunted as well. Um, yes. Double whammy. Yes, it's double whammy. All so right. the actual house that you go through and walk through and get spooked. Um, was an old 1900s barn house, and it was moved from one side of Giles to the other. It's got a really cool history to it, um, and we have got the privilege of investigating there for upwards of 10 years now. Um, and that's another one where we get different things every time we go out there. But the actors, some of these kids I've known for years and years and years, and their whole goal in life is to scare Kelly Kennedy, the paranormal investigator, that spends her Friday nights every night out at this haunted attraction. 
Um, and it, it took them 10 years and they finally this, got you. this last year, boy, um, last, last fall, I was doing an investigation of the house. So the house is shut down. There are no actors present as actors. They're all just investigating with us. They enjoy coming and hanging out with us and they are hanging out and we're, it's three o'clock in the morning, Andy. I mean, I'm delirious at this point. I had worked all day. It's a Friday. This is just, you know, it's, it's one of those days and I'm walking through picking up my audio recorders and my camcorders and stuff. And we're calling it for the night. And I see this gorilla and my brain says, why is there a gorilla standing there? As the gorilla comes at me and my brain couldn't catch up to, and I screamed and yelled and ran. So that's what I do, apparently. That's when... what most people would do if they saw a gorilla coming after them. Yeah. I mean, even at the zoo, you got the plexiglass wall, and they start walking up to me. I'm taking a step back. <laughs> right, right. But they finally got you. Yeah, they that's finally got me. The holy grail. That's like beating Le- LeBron James at basketball uh, to I scare guess, you. I guess, yeah. yeah. I'm, it, none of that scares me, though. I, I'm enjoying it now because I actually enjoy going to those places, and I finally have a a friend to do it. My 13 year old enjoys going. She's terrified of it. Um, and she screams a lot and she probably will cry a lot too, but she goes <laughs> and she sometimes brings her friends too. And they also cry a little bit too, but you know, <laughs> we're just pass- passing the torch. To yeah, future exactly. Generations. exactly. So I, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here a little bit, but you've, you've investigated a lot of different places, indoors and outdoors. Was there a certain place that you really had a hard time being there? Like you just couldn't stomach it or you just really felt like you had to leave? Um, or has it all been tolerable throughout the years? It's, it's really hard to answer that question because most places are tolerable at some point in time in the investigation. But there are other times in the investigation where like the little bit of intuition I have, because it's not a lot, the little bit that I have is like, why are you here? Get out, go away. What is going on? Um, I have this funky thing that happens specifically when I'm reviewing things. So this is really odd. It doesn't happen when I'm in an investigation. Um, but when I'm listening to audio, I'll have my headphones on and I'll be, you know, in my happy place listening to hours and hours and hours of audio. And if I capture an EVP, I cry every time. Interesting. Yeah. And it's not like a, oh, it's like my eyes water and I cry and, and it's not, uh, it's not, it's involuntary. So it's almost like a cathartic moment. Like yeah. This, this is a real phenomenon. Right. I captured that. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Overpowering maybe is the right word. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is, that is interesting. Have you guys, and I think I know the answer to this, but you guys have checked out the Velisca Axe murder house before. We have. Yes. Yeah. Velisca is a fun one. Um, the unique part about Velisca is every time that we go to Velisca, I always feel as though like when we're leaving that I'm leaving my children. And like, I get this super motherly instinct, like, why am I leaving? I can't leave. I can't possibly leave these children. Um, it's a really sad, overwhelming feeling. Um, but Velisca also has the scary factor too, where you also can feel and experience kind of a lot of negative in that house too. And for anyone listening, the Velisca Axe Murder House is over in Iowa, just the hop, skip and a jump from where we live. Um, but it's uh, notoriously haunted, uh, and legend has it, a true story, there were children murdered in that mm-hmm. house. Yep. Never caught the killer. Nope. June 10th, 1912. Um, and the, the, the theory is that the killer rode the trains um, and killed when the train was going by so that none of the neighbors could hear because it, the, the houses are still the same as they were in 1912, and the neighbor is 
a spit away. I mean, and you know, this is 1912. They didn't lock anything. Windows would have been out left open, things like that. Um, so it, you know, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to believe that an entire family, you know, adults, children, and the neighbor kids could all be killed and no one knew and everybody just slept through it. And even the family members themselves slept through it. So there was also a theory that maybe there was, the family was drugged somehow from porridge that they had left on the stove when they went to church that evening. So there's many different stories to it, but it is unsolved and I'm sure it'll never be solved really. Well, and you know, I speak with a lot of people who um, say that, you know, they can tolerate you know, dog man sightings, they can deal with ghosts, they can deal with, you know, Bigfoot or whatever monsters of the world. But they say that the scariest thing to them are people. Yeah. Human beings. Yes. And especially, you know, true true crime being a hugely popular um, kind of genre lately. Uh, it's things like this, unsolved murder cases that, that leave you uh, having sleepless nights. Right, so, right. Um well, thanks, uh, thanks for coming on the show, Kelly, yeah. and sharing some EVPs and sh some some uh, you know stories. And we'll we'll certainly have you on again sometime in the for future. Sure, for sure, I'm even planning ahead. I'm, I'm my brain spinning of you know maybe a future episode we could do like a live podcast during during an investigation. I would love that. Yes, yeah. that would be wonderful. Well, you guys keep up the good work. Keep finding EVPs, and uh, if anyone listening wants to volunteer and, and listen to some of the audio, <laughs> yeah. what was that forty eight hours yeah. worth? Eight 40, times six. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> a lot of footage it's, to go it's, through. It's insane. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much, Kelly. Appreciate it. Yep. No problem. Thanks to Kelly for sharing those spooky stories and allowing me to share her EVPs on today's show. Going back to the strange dog-like creature that was recently spotted in the cemetery here in Omaha, kind of reminds me of a strange-looking canine that I saw within the past year. And uh, I believe this was back in the spring, um, and I did share this story on the Paranormal Dads, uh, exactly what month it, it was exactly kind of escapes me right now. But I was driving down the Dodge Expressway, which is an extremely busy street, probably the busiest street in Omaha, and it actually connects to the interstate system. But we're talking about a very busy, very noisy area. And I'm driving along uh, eastbound, and I, I look out the passenger window to a park area down below. Now, this was near a trail. There was houses. There's an apartment complex, so it's kind of like just a park trail. And I, I had a clear, unobstructed view at the time because there was not so much uh, foli foliage and, and leaves on, on the trees. So I kind of had a clear shot. And I'm guessing it was probably 75 yards away, 100 yards tops. But I had a clear view of a enormous uh, wolf-like creature. It was looking away from me. Uh, but I could see its uh, pointed ears sticking straight up. Uh, the color of this creature was uh, kind of a grayish, uh, kind of a grayish color, uh, pointy ears, big bushy tail, and this thing was stocky. You know, it had a lot of, uh, you know, it had a had a lot of muscle to it. It was not scrawny by any stretch. But even in the moment when I when I first looked at this thing, and I, I only had a eyes on it for a couple seconds because I was, you know, I was going fifty to sixty miles an hour, but. I I audibly said, "Holy crap!" <laughs> and I, I was thinking to myself, "Look at the size of this thing." Because even in the moment, I was like, "I'm looking at a wolf," um, you know. But it, it still didn't register with me because that I knew of, we we don't have wolves in Omaha. Omaha's a a big city, 
Um, I don't even, I didn't even think we had wolves in Nebraska, but I'm looking at this thing and it, it looks massive. Even by wolf standard, this thing is still big. It was roughly the size of a pony. I mean, height wise, I mean, upwards of like four feet high at the back and shoulders. It was enormous. I never got a look at the face, um, but it was just so completely out of place. Uh, partly because it was in a residential area, right? I mean, you got traffic, you got noises, you got restaurants just a block a block away. And I didn't see any people with this thing. Uh, I saw no owner, no leash. Actually, when I initially saw it, I, I thought it was a statue. That was my first inclination is like, wow, why, why would they put a wolf statue right there in the middle of the grassy part of the park? And I, I, you know, and your mind kind of flips through all the possibilities. And I'm like, wait, that's not a statue. There's never been a statue there. Um, and then just as quickly as the sighting happened, it was gone. And, you know, sure enough, on the way back, I, I looked for it and it was gone. Every single time I'm on that stretch of road, I look for it again. And I've, I've never seen it since. Now, I did a little research. Um, and apparently there was a gray wolf that was shot and killed in a rural area of Nebraska as recently as 2021, but this occurred nowhere near Omaha. I, I believe this was out almost near the panhandle, you know, a good five or six hours away. And they're not thought to be in numbers, uh, not at least in this area. According to all the articles that I could find, uh, most of the gray wolf populations are thought to live at, at closest out near the Rocky Mountains or by the upper Great Lakes, you know, up towards Minnesota, Wisconsin, Ohio. Um, in any case, I hope the people in the Omaha metropolitan area are keeping close tabs on their pets, because I imagine a Pomeranian or Chihuahua might not fare too well going up against a 150-pound wolf. Well, up next we have Taylor, who reminds us that paranormal happenings tend to follow a person through life, regardless of where she calls home. Okay, we want to welcome to the show Taylor, and uh, thanks for being uh, a guest on So Strange. How's it going today? Hi, Andy. Thank you so much for having me. It's great. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, you know, I kind of caught wind of some paranormal happenings that you've had going on throughout your life, and I was, yeah. you know, thinking, man, I, I really hope that she's game to be a guest on on the show, and here you are. <laughs> yep, here I am. I definitely do have a few stories of my own, as I'm sure we all do, that are really pivotal mo moments in our life and just exciting to share. So, Well, and it, it seems to like run in families almost. You know, you have one intuitive or open-minded person in the family, and it's almost like opening a can of worms because everyone has a, a story to top the next, right? A hundred percent. And my story kind of you know, with all of my siblings and my parents, it started with my mom and it just kind of represented and showed up in everybody else's lives. So I agree with you. I agree. It can be generational for sure. Well, take us back to the beginning. I know you have a few different accounts that you want to share, but um, where where did the majority of these accounts take place? Yeah. So this goes back to about 2011. And just to kind of put it in perspective of my age, I was probably about 10, 11, 12, around that age. And we had moved out to an acreage in Plasmouth, Nebraska, beautiful acreage, five acreage right off of Highway 75. And it was newly renovated. And we were just looking for a fresh start. We wanted an acreage as a family. And so my folks moved us out there. And, uh, you know, Nothing abnormal when we first moved in, except one room had made me felt incredibly uncomfortable in the house. And that's where I think that paranormal experience started. When you walk into a room and you just feel 
uh, something is just not quite right. And my mother's, my parents' master bedroom and bathroom really was a, a hot spot to me. And I didn't really notice anything else besides not wanting to be in that room ever, especially by myself for the first six months. And then after that, you know, it kind of progressed and took on, um, it really changed and intensified as we lived in that house for the next three years. Um, and so definitely. Yeah. So what are some of the things that would, that would happen there? And by the way, I, I completely know the feeling that you're talking about. It's just kind of unsettling and almost yeah. feels like you're not completely alone, right? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Like somebody's always kind of watching over your shoulder. And so like I was saying, the first six months started that way, you know, just, I didn't want to be there by myself in certain spots of the house. And this was, a, it had a finished basement and my sister and I both stayed in the basement on opposite sides. And so, you know, like I said, first six months comfortable with occasional uneasy feelings. And then after year one, um, majority of the activity happened when I was home alone. So as a teenager, an early teenager, I spent most of the time, my parents would go out for date night. My siblings were hanging out with their friends and I was like, I'm going to sit and watch a movie. So that's what I did. And right in the living room was where the master bedroom um, was right next to. And so one night, it was probably nine o'clock. I heard a radio turn on like loud music. And so my gut instinct knew it was in the bedroom that I hated the most. And so I trucked in there and sure enough, it was on and I turned it off and I walked back out. And as soon as I stepped right back out into the living room, it just turned right back on. And so I was like, well, okay, this is definitely happening. And I unplugged the radio and said out loud, this cannot turn back on. It's physically impossible just to kind of acknowledge to myself, okay, rationalize, calm yourself down. Nothing's going on. Um, and that continued to happen frequently at night when I was home by myself, never when anybody else was there. And then gradually that started to change and it would happen in the daytime. I would say probably now we're sitting at a year and then a year and six months. And while I was upstairs, I would hear slamming doors in the basement. And so, as I previously stated, I stayed in a room in the basement of this home. And right next to my room, there was a door to a cellar and that door would often shut by itself. And so it happened. Those were happening mostly during the day. Um, and I remember I was sitting home alone. My parents were next door and I heard a slam in the basement and I called my dad and I said, somebody broke in. You need to come home. And he comes in and he says, there's nothing there. I don't know what you're talking about. You're just, you probably, maybe something fell. You're just you know, overthinking it. And so, um, again, this is probably a year and a half and it really was just those two things and the uneasiness. Now year two is when things started to get physical. Um, again, being in that basement, there was a bathroom down there as well. My sister and I had shared and I was washing my face and just getting ready for the evening. And I felt something grab my sides. And I remember thinking, it's got to be my siblings. So I dart up the stairs and I said, who touched me? And all of them denied any of it. And so that uncomfortable feeling, the uneasiness of, okay, I've been hearing things, but now I'm, now something's touching me and that's uncomfortable. And that same bathroom, my younger sister, a different night was in there and spending time with herself, getting ready for the evening. And she had saw a dark shadow go past. And that shadow had run all the way down the hall to my room and the bedroom door had slammed. And she did the same thing. She ran over thinking, Taylor, you can't scare me and open up the door. Nobody was there. Um, so definitely those two things were some big moments of this is now starting to play a game. 
Um, and I would say probably those happened within three weeks of each other. And shortly after I was in my room that night and I was staying up late, decided I needed to call it a night, turned off the TV. I just had a lamp down, excuse me, a lamp on. And I had set a few things down on my nightstand and I saw um, this girl. I would say probably 16, 15, 16, right at the side of my bed. And she looked unwell, just kind of tired and sweaty and had damp hair and some nightgown on and just kind of stood there. And I remember thinking, who's in my room? How did they get in my room? This makes no sense. And so I jumped up and walked upstairs to my mom's room and, you know, was trying to process what I had just seen. And I went from a soft knock to pounding on the door of somebody let me in. I don't know what's going on. And she, um, my dad was out of town and she thought somebody had broken in. So we went downstairs and I was incredibly uncomfortable. The same uncomfortable feeling that I had when I first came to that home was the feeling I had when I walked back into that room five minutes later. There was no spirit there. There was no girl there. And so my mom and I just decided, well, let's say a little prayer and we'll just go to bed. And so we did. I mean, here, here's where you need sage the size of a palm tree to clear the energy <laughs> out of this place. Um, let's back the truck up a little bit. Let's start with the, the radio, the music turning on and off. And it, you know, by the way, um, what you're describing is basically scenes from a, from a scary movie, from a horror yeah. movie. I mean, because you move in and things are nice and they're picturesque. One little thing happens here and then another there. And, you know, six months, it's a little uncomfortable, but we can tolerate it. And then a year in, you know, the stuff's hitting the fan. You're getting physically touched. You're having full body apparitions. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the paranormal poo hits the fan. Uh, that's terrifying. Um <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 you know, the feeling of being touched on your side, you know, having a, a spirit entity cross that physical boundary, I'm sure that more than, you know, a lot of things probably made you feel uh, very uneasy. Incredibly, incredibly, especially at that young age where, you know, it, I, I think 13 on is just an awkward time. And so it was just a whole different there was a lot going on and the dynamic of the family even changed where it started to, there was more arguments and more bickering between everybody and just tension and uncomfortableness and just kind of this dark cloud um, for a little while. But definitely. Almost, almost as if whatever was in the house is, you know, subconsciously influencing, you know, the family kind of getting in your head, uh, mm -hmm. causing everyone to be in a grumpy mood. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, and it's also interesting that when this all first began, it, it almost started at where it was when everyone else was gone. I mean, because you were by yourself when these weird things were happening, did you almost feel like you were being singled out by whatever the presence was? A hundred percent. I felt, and I think the other thing was, I must be going crazy. And the only thing, Andy, I will tell you where I had proof, two things that happened where my dad was with me and we were in the living room and the radio came on and I was like, hallelujah, somebody else is here to see it. This is actually happening. And he is very much, uh, there's a logical explanation. So he goes and he turns it off. And as soon as we walked back out into that living room, Andy, our fireplace had turned on. And the only way a fireplace can turn on, we had a remote switch, which we had lost, or the light switch was, which was right next to it across the room. And so I remember looking at him and I said, something is happening here and somebody has to believe me. And so he's just like, well, that's weird, but I, I don't have an explanation for it, but it is what it is. And so definitely it was nice to have somebody else witness what I saw at the same time. 
Well, yeah, it is. Cause like you said, it makes you feel more sane. It proves that you're not <laughs> making this stuff up. It's not in your imagination, but it's kind of funny how, when it occurs to you, when you're by yourself, you don't want it to happen. And when it occurs, when somebody else, when there's a witness in the room, you're like, hot damn, you saw right. that too, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's, but the, you know, the fireplace incident is kind of uh next level though, because I mean, you know, I know it's controlled and I know that it's completely right. encased, but it's still fire, you know? Exactly. The, and the timing of all of it, you know, and it, it could have been a fluke. It could have been, I mean, that remote we ended up finding at the bottom of a junk drawer, but it was just, it was odd timing. And so it hadn't only happened once and never happened again, but it, something definitely was trying to get our attention. Yeah. And did it, I mean, how long did this carry on for? Did it, did it eventually kind of taper off? Did it come to a sudden stop? Uh, you know, for three years. So we lived in that home for three years and it only progressed. And I would say the last thing, my mother, we would write little notes and expo markers on her mirror. My dad started doing it. So all of us kids started doing it. We went on vacation and came back and she had found X's and O's written all over her mirror in a different color of expo marker that we didn't even own. Um, and so I would say that was incredible of pure writing on the mirror. Now she's the only witness to it because she thought my brother had done it. My brother was in football at the time. And so she came out and she's like, Oh, who wrote the cute little X's and O's all over the mirror? And we're all like, Nobody did, mom. And so I think that was the last moment. And we ended up moving to Arizona. And that same spirit, I would sing in different ways. Um, I'd be driving in the car and I felt like I could see her in my rearview mirror. Or um, I was getting ready and I held up a mirror in my bathroom and I thought I saw her over my shoulder. Um, and unusual things happened there where I would have dreams about the house or I would have dreams of other spirits showing up kind of... Um, out of body dreams where I'd see myself sleeping and see something in the corner of the room coming closer. And so um, that followed us to Arizona. I would say, gosh, that was another three years there. And unusual things would happen in my room where we had an attic space and we would hear knocking on the attic. One day we were all home alone and it sounded like somebody was in the attic trying to get out. Couldn't put any explanation to it. And so um, we moved again after three years from Arizona. We came back to lovely old Omaha, Nebraska. And in a rental home we were staying at, I was still with my folks at the time. And I was at college at this point. And um, I would have spirits come and peek their head around the corner. Or I would see somebody at, you know, four o'clock in the morning standing by my dresser. You know, it's just incredibly unusual. It's never the same spirit once I got back to Omaha, but definitely more um, more, more things are being brought to my attention than before. So definitely incredible. Well, I guess if nothing else, it just goes to show that, um, <laughs> you know, you, you, people are more haunted than places, you know, correct. You, correct. If you, if you have a knack for sensing, you know, paranormal happenings, you're going to have it, whether you're in Nebraska, Arizona, or, you know, Brazil, uh, but the, the, that is kind of cute though. The X's and O's on the bathroom mirror in a expo marker color that you, you guys didn't even own. That's, yep. that's an interesting touch. So I don't that know. It definitely if, was the most positive, I think, experience yeah. out of everything. You know, it could have been, I always think of, you know, red rum, right? The shining could have put red rum on the mirror, but it was X's and O's. So maybe it was right. something more pleasant than we thought. Yeah. That's, and you know, you know, who knows? We we can only speculate. But was that the 
you know, coming from the presence in the house? Was that a, you know, a deceased relative who was dropping by to, to pay a nice visit? But it, certainly in terms of, you know, warm, fuzzy feelings, that's at the opposite end of the spectrum compared to that <laughs> teenage ghost that you saw next to your bed in a nightgown oh, and wet yes. hair. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I agree. You know, Plattsmouth is known, has got a lot of history in there. Highway 75 itself, I mean, is a high fatality road. So who knows? That property used to be farmland. Who knows what used to exist there before and the stories that may have happened in, with previous tenants and current tenants. So, Well, it sounds like your place was extraordinarily haunted. Uh, <laughs> it goes without saying. But, you know, when you gave that description of the girl, uh, teenage girl, nightgown, wet hair, it almost reminded me of, um, I'm trying to think which scary movie it was. It was either The Ring or The Grudge. I'm not a, a, a scary yeah. movie buff, but it kind of fits the description of the character in one of those movies. I agree. Thank goodness she didn't move like that. Had that happened, oh. I think I would, <laughs> I would need with, some therapy. With that backwards but, kind of crab spider walk terrible. thing. Terrible. I don't yeah. know who came up with it, but man, they, they nailed it for, for fear. I agree. Yeah. I agree. So now present day, I mean, are you still prone to kind of some spirit happenings and, and things of that nature? Hopefully, if you are, it's it's a lot less traumatic than, than what you've already been through. Yes, 100% less traumatic. My husband is a little bit um, in tune as well. So he sees things. And so when we're both like, did you see that? And we're like, okay, you saw it too. So we're on the same page. We have a two-year-old who um, is... I think might have a little bit of what I have as well. And so on the baby monitor, every once in a while, we'll see orbs and things like that. And he'll point and he'll look across the room. And so, you know, it doesn't feel threatening. Like I said, I always go back to that experience in Plattsmouth when something is just off where I felt uncomfortable, you know, there's ways to, I think, handle it and um, set your boundaries. But um, thank goodness I haven't experienced anything negative since then. So it's only been positive. Well, that's good. Well, in terms of your son, the next two years should be really interesting because I've noticed uh, when most children are between the ages of three and four, that's when they're extremely prone to seeing ghosts, you know, visitors from the afterlife. And in fact, it's also the little window where they're most likely to recall past life memories. Yeah. So just, you know, keep your ears out if he says anything um, during that little window. Those full sentences soon. And so I'm sure he'll have a lot to say. And then then we'll have to start questioning of, is this good? Is it bad? He'll be our little gauge. <laughs> That's right. You know, but it's uh, kids like that are, are remarkable because they're, they're finally old enough to verbalize what's going on, but they're still young enough. They have that raw, innate intuition, that connection to Correct. the spirit world. So, yes, I agree. It's a it's a magical thing. And those stories amaze me, amaze me. And, you know, there's a reason why they remember it. And that's um, yeah. fascinating. So. Well, thank you so much, Taylor, for sharing your stories on So Strange. And certainly uh, they passed the test for being considered strange. Those are those. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> remarkable. Uh, my gosh, I need to catch my breath for a second. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you and again, sharing that story with others, because I'm sure there is more to come. So absolutely. Thanks again to Taylor for being on today's episode. I hope she keeps us posted on whether or not her sons begin uh, her son begins having experiences of his own. Um, kind of sounds like her husband is open-minded to the spirit world as well. And in terms of paranormal math, uh, two open-minded parents usually equals an intuitive child. And intuitive children seem to straddle the fence between worlds, like they have one foot in our world and then the other foot is in the spirit realms. 
And as for Taylor's radio turning itself on, uh, that's something I can definitely relate to. I've uh, witnessed this phenomenon myself many, many occasions, uh, too many to count, in fact. And usually I assume it's just a deceased loved one dropping by to say hello. At least that's what I tell myself to sleep better at night, because the alternative is much more unsettling. You know, a random ghost, a stranger just passing through. But radios and electronics are one thing. I mean, it's a whole, it's a whole different ballgame when a spirit entity makes physical contact with us. Uh, no doubt her blood ran cold as she felt the spirit's hands on her side. kind of makes you shudder, actually, doesn't it? And an invasion of our personal space is never a pleasant experience, but when the, when the culprit's a presence that can't be seen, it definitely raises the spook factor tenfold, in my opinion. Up next, we have Leanne, who shared with me a story of a ghost who was, uh, well, making a long-distance phone call in their own little way. All right, our next guest for the season finale is Leanne. So I want to welcome Leanne to the show. How are you doing today? Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, from what I've gathered, you have a, uh, well, this is one of many paranormal stories that you could share, but uh, this one has to do with a, a phone that was acting up. Yes, it was a play cell phone that belonged to my daughter. Well, let's uh, go back to the very beginning and kind of give us a little background and context and just kind of tell us how it all unfolded. All right. So it was in the early 90s. It's that long ago, but I could never forget this. My daughter was not even quite a year old yet. And my mom was calling me to see if we would come and stay all night. My mom was a little bit of a chicken about being home alone while my dad was working nights. So it happened to be like on a Friday evening and she's, she had said, come over, stay all night. So, you know, I thought nothing of it. It's something we did often. We got my daughter to bed and I had been downstairs. They had a beautiful family room with a couch and a TV. And I had been down there watching television. My mom was upstairs on the phone and it was, you know, long enough ago that when the channels were going off, the signal, you know, would make this beep. I don't know if you remember that Andy at all, but yeah. Yeah. It, it feels like a lifetime ago, but I, I am does. old enough to recall that. Yes. <laughs> Back when there was not 24 seven entertainment readily That's available. Exactly. Right. And yeah. so I had, I knew my mom was on the phone, so I just crawled into bed and she came in there and was kind of irritated with me and said, Hey, you left that TV on down there. It's beeping. And I said, no, I didn't. Yes, you did. I can hear it. You know, one of those things. So I get up and I go halfway down the stairs to the basement and she's right behind me. And this play cell phone starts dialing. Like you can hear the numbers beep, 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 beep. Like someone's actually dialing it. And I just about knocked her down going back up the steps. She was so close behind me. So we run up the stairs and we listen to this phone. And then it stops. It's dialing. And there was a button you could push and it would ring. And so you would hear it ring and there was another button you could push and it would say operator speaking. And so it would do that and then it would be quiet for a few minutes and then the dialing again, just like somebody was playing with it and pushing all of the different buttons. And this went on for a good hour. We were terrified. We had no idea what to do. This thing would not quit. And my dad finally did come home and we were terrified and he thought we we're just 
being silly. You know, he thought, oh, it just fell over on some other toy in the toy box. No, he went halfway down the stairs and the thing started dialing. So he went and grabbed it and threw it out in the middle of the yard. And the next morning threw it away. It was terrifying. <laughs> he threw it in the yard. Didn't even want it in the house overnight. He did. Didn't even want it in the house. Just grabbed it out of the toy box, opened the door, and just chucked it right in the middle of their yard for the rest of the night. <laughs> then in the morning, went and threw it out in the garbage can for the trash man. <laughs> yeah. Can you only imagine it was so scary. if, you know, come morning time, it had uh, it appeared on your kitchen table from the backyard mysteriously? <laughs> Oh, gosh. Yeah, that would have been interesting. My mom was hilarious during the whole thing. She kept saying to me, what if there's a serial killer downstairs? I'm like, there's no serial killer, mom. I was just down there. It's a ghost. (laughs) And we were both just terrified. And that's the first time I've literally been frozen in fear. I couldn't even move. I was so scared. It it sounds silly to say that, but it, it really was terrifying. Well, no, in hindsight, it's easy to laugh at something, but in the moment, you're you're basically witnessing an intelligent entity, you know, having the physical strength to push buttons on a toy. Yeah, that, that would be That's enough. That's exactly to, right. And I kept saying, please stop, please make it stop, please stop, and it would stop. And then I was like, oh, good, it stopped. And then, nope, pretty soon here would be the dialing again. I'm like, no, please just stop. Yeah. It really was because there was no explanation for it. You know, if it would have been just a solid beep, then I would have thought, yes, it shifted in the toy box. It's laying on something that's just causing it to beep. But there's no way because the different buttons for the numbers, just like on a real phone, made different sounds. And so you could hear that it was like it was dialing. And then they would push. I say they, it, whatever it was, was pushing the button and making it ring. And then it would say operator speaking. And it was just, I never knew a play cell phone could just be so scary, but it was. But your mom it was really convinced was. it was a serial killer. She did. She <laughs> thought it was a serial killer, which made it, you know, after the fact, we gave her such a bad time about that. I said, I would have already been dead. I was just down there. So it's no serial killer. But what was weird about that is it didn't start while I was down there. It was after I left the room, which is probably just as well because that would have scared me and I would have left the TV on but yeah I don't know that house they lived in had a lot of very strange things happen and we never found out why it wasn't an old house maybe something happened on the land who knows but that was a very scary thing in that house one of many (laughs) almost reminds me of that urban legend where you know it ends with you know, the call was coming from inside the house. (laughs) (laughs) And it was from the basement. (laughs) And it was, and it was long distance to say the least. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it was (laughs) very, you know, but that, that is a a interesting thing you point out there is that had it been, you know, just bumped up against something else on the toy box, you know, it might just be one tone, one frequency because one button's being pushed, but yeah, it almost sounds like a playful energy was saying, hey, this is fun. It makes different noises when I push different buttons. And uh, that's interesting. Yeah, it was having a good time with the phone. I, I don't know who it was trying to reach or if it thought if maybe it was just getting a chuckle out of us being so scared. Uh, you know, for all we know, it could have been laughing at us. <laughs> but <laughs> well, it was scary. 
I hope yeah. whatever it was had a good time, you know, and after the fact later, like I said, we did chuckle about some, like my mom thinking it was a serial killer and some of our reactions, but it was, it was pretty scary at the, at the time. And then after that, I said, I hope it was, you know, a child spirit that was getting some fun out of the phone. But at the time it was terrifying. <laughs> well, no, and not and it's something just- I would and it's it's justified too you know because when when scary things happen it, it it does or when when an event happens it does seem to be scarier in the moment uh than it does in in hindsight but i guess that's human nature you know uh looking back on it it's easy to laugh but in the moment when something bizarre is occurring uh it's it's hard to brush it off like that it's glitching really bad i can i can't let me go out and try to come back in let me stop right here and tell you, it was this point in my interview with Leanne that our call began breaking up, and things got really glitchy and scrambled. Uh, Leanne's screen kept freezing. She tried logging off and logging back in, but it was no use, almost as if right on cue, maybe the same ghost who'd been messing with her phone, all you know, the toy phone all those years ago, popped back up uh, just to show off a little bit. Uh, seriously, you can't make this stuff up. The timing was a little more than coincidental, don't you think? Uh, kind of made me laugh. Uh, hopefully, Leanne wasn't too frustrated, but just goes to show, you know, you start talking about spirit entities and, uh, I don't know, maybe like little children, you know, hoping to show off. Once they get a little attention, they'll do whatever it takes to to keep our attention. At any rate, uh, it's not the first time a ghost has manipulated electronics, and it won't be the last. I hope Leanne... Uh, fares well with whatever or whoever is trying to get her attention. And meanwhile, let it be a lesson to all of us that a child's toy can go from whimsical to terrifying pretty quickly. Any, really, any toy with a button, a, a battery, a power source, it's rather easy for a ghost to manipulate. It's, uh, it's like child's play, if you will. And last but not least, we're actually going to hand the baton over to uh, Eddie Fossler, He'll bring us down the home stretch of this paranormal marathon with three stories that'll make your jaw drop. And uh, believe me when I say each one is more terrifying than the last. But before we get to that, uh, please be sure to rate and review the show on your podcast platform of choice. Hopefully you've enjoyed uh, season one. If you have, tell your friends and family about it so they can join for season two. Uh, Also, be sure to check out my other podcast. Uh, It's called Paranormal Dads. My co-hosts, Eddie and Pat, we uh, explore the world's monsters, myths, and mysteries, and we have a lot of laughs along the way. You should also know that the So Strange letter of the day is A, A as in awesome, as you probably gathered by now. If you collect one letter from each episode in season one, you can unscramble those letters to discover the secret word of the season. If you email that word to andymyersmanagement at gmail.com, it'll qualify you for perks and prizes and some, some fun little bonus content that I'm doing. And season two will be available really soon. We're going to hardly skip a beat at all between seasons because I want to keep the momentum going. Season two is going to be awesome, too, because it's going to include weekly bonus episodes for subscribers. And uh, I'll, un- I'll um, share with you details of that coming soon. Uh, meanwhile, you can check out my Facebook page. I'll leave a, a link in the show notes. But you can find me uh, on Facebook under Psychic Medium Andy Myers. And I hope to see you there. But enough with all the reminders. Uh, let's give Eddie the chance to make our spines tingle. Okay, everybody. 
Our next guest is the one, the only, Sir Eddie Fossler. How's it going, buddy? That's going well. How about you, man? Doing, I'm doing okay. You know, I've been uh, hanging in there. You know, I've been having my, my neck and back issues lately, but I'm still upright, so that's good. You do look very, like, um, immobilized. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more limber than I look. But, uh, no, yeah. Eddie, for everyone listening, Eddie, you all have heard me talk about the Paranormal Dads quite a bit on the show. Eddie is one-third of that trio, and Paranormal Dads podcast is how it all began. And, of course, So Strange is kind of a spinoff of uh, of Paranormal Dads, if you will. But I'm so happy to have Eddie joining us today. And uh, he's a good storyteller. Uh, even better human being. And I think, oh. I mean, we, you've got a, a couple uh, humdinger. It's, it, they're, they're humdingers of a story uh, that you're about to share with us. So I don't know. Uh, you've always kind of taken an interest in the paranormal. Uh, I mean, you want to give a little, little background context to that? Sure. Uh, uh, once again, thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely, man. This is fun. <laughs> this, is, this is, you know, you're used to creating stuff. I'm used to creating stuff with you, you know. The and tables have, is, is it, is it awkward? Is this like when your coworker becomes your boss and it's kind of, it's kind of weird? <laughs> it is. It is. Or, or your friend does. And you're like, man, we're friends. You can't give me a review. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, um, you know, we're, we're both loosey goosey kind of people, but I'm sure it's weird to be on the other end of it to be interviewed by me because we're usually co-hosting a show together. But you, uh, you've always taken an interest in, in the paranormal and things that go bump in the night. I mean, ever since you were a little kid. I have. I have. I had the fortune of living in really weird places as a kid growing up. And one of those weird places was uh, way, way, way upstate New York, Um, uh, kind of almost near the Canadian border. I mean, like up by like Niagara and all that area. And so I lived right around the Adirondack Mountains uh, for till I was about 10, uh, maybe a little bit older than that, 10, 11 years old. And was fascinated, fascinated by the forest. I would be, I would get lost in there for hours and hours and hours. I would just go in one end and come out the other. And there's a funny story where one time I had come out on a part of, t- and this was the eighties, like parents just, <laughs> I was going to say it's a different time. It was like the wild West back then, you, you know, they would be like, okay, see you at dinner time. I hope you come back. <laughs> Good Such luck. a different time. It, it is. It's like, you know what? Uh, if he comes back alive, we did our job as a parent. He's not dead today. <laughs> um, but on one occasion, I had gone out uh, exploring in the forest, and I was gone for pretty much all day. I mean, it was probably like late morning, like 9, 10 o'clock on a Saturday. And literally, my parents hadn't seen hide nor hair of me probably till almost 7 o'clock p.m. And, you know, even in the summer sun is starting to kind of go down a little bit. And, and so my mom got concerned. There's no cell phones. There's no way to find your child. <laughs> you keep a quarter tucked in your sock in case you needed to use a payphone kind of deal. <laughs> oh, I had no money with me. Uh, so I end up, I exit the forest and I'm in a whole part of town. I don't even recognize. And I lived in a pretty small town. And so it was just strange. I come out and I'm like, I don't know where I'm at. So I walk up to a business and I ask to borrow their phone and I call my house and I'm like, I don't know where I'm at. I'm at this business. And I ended up ending up like almost to the neighboring town by cutting through the forest. I was like, it was crazy. You're yeah, lucky you didn't nuts. get taken by Sasquatch. Oh, or something or something worse, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just get disappeared by some, some hybrid of Mothman and a dog man. That's right. 
Uh, well, you got three stories, uh, and I don't care which one you want to share first, if you want to go sequential or if you want to go, uh, um, you know, uh, ease us into it by the least scary one. Uh, but, you know, out of the three you got, just start wherever you want to start. Um, I, I know, you know, vaguely recall uh, you sharing these in the past, but to our so strange listeners, this will be brand new. I'll go, I'll go for most, most recent, if you will, to, you know, less, you know, back in time, travel back in time <laughs> with me, kids, put on your time travel helmets. Uh, this was about, I'd say not quite 10 years ago, maybe like eight years ago. And I was experiencing what I can only call a certain amount of um, trauma in my life without getting too in depth, but just a lot of upheaval. And now that I know what I know, I can kind of, you know, relate to why some of these things happened. But what had happened was um, before this thing had happened, I had also played around with the, um, I'll call it a tool, but whatever, a Ouija board, kids. I had a Ouija board. And up until that time, I had never, I had made it to my late 30s uh, without ever laying hands on a Ouija board. And I had heard all the stories. I was raised uh, hyper-religious and so was taught a, a certain healthy fear, if you will, of this device. And so never had an experience with one. And everybody who I knew, even Andy, was like, oh, don't mess with those. Those are bad. Don't touch them. And I'm like, this is, don't tell me not to touch something. <laughs> and you're like, I definitely to have to touch it. I have to touch it. I don't know. Um, you, you get mixed reviews with Ouija boards. I mean, some people swear it's the portal to hell and other people are like, ah, eh, it's made by, you know, the same people who make Monopoly. Right. So exactly. I, I think it's somewhere in between for sure. It's it's so I just wanted an experience. I was like, I, everybody has these experiences. Everyone kind of is like, you know, has a story and I wanted one, even if the story was nothing happened, you know? So busted out a Ouija board. Like you said, went down to target, <laughs> bought a Ouija board and brought it home and this is probably a time for a different, this is not the actual thing, but I will say there was stuff that happened with that uh, Ouija board uh, to a point that I was convinced. Um, the people I was with, um, there was no reason for them to try to fake it or bluff it. We were all kind of in the same boat. Like we hadn't had a lot of experiences with it. We wanted to kind of have a pure experience. Even if that experience was nothing, we wanted it to be, you know, purely nothing. So um, no reason to think that someone was trying to be silly. And also just some of the acrobatics this thing pulled off were hard, if not impossible for a person to fake. So I had used this thing. And I will say more than a few times, um, not just once or twice, probably had used it maybe mm, coming up on a dozen times. And so during this time, experiencing a certain amount of like upheaval in my own uh, personal life, and so going to bed at night, um, on the threshold, that, that like twilight of sleep and awake, I began to hear a fairly audible, loud tapping on the wall, like right by my head, on my, like not quite on my headboard, but on the wall. And at first I kind of, you know, like we do for everything in life that seems a little weird, we kind of blow it off and I'm like, that's weird. And then... You notice it maybe the first couple of times. Uh, think of like the, anyone who owns a house or lives in a house. You notice a weird sound. You kind of blow it off. But if you hear that sound again and then you hear it again and again, you start to kind of 
see a pattern or notice it. Sometimes it's nothing. It might be a loose, you know, screen. It might be anything. Um, so I go to bed one night tapping, and then I go to bed another, this very next night, more tapping. Only when it seems like when I lay down to go to bed. And so this continues for weeks. And finally, more nights than not. I wouldn't say every night, but more nights, probably five, four or five times a week. And so I get into debunk mode because I'm a paranormal dad. <laughs> and, and so I start going through like, what, how do I do that? I started counting the taps. Uh, they were five every time. One, two, three, four, five, pause. One, two, three, four, five, pause. And I'm like, there's a pattern. That's weird. <laughs> well, yeah, because then your your brain starts trying to make sense of it. Why why five? Why not four? Why, why not why, why not six? Uh, why the uh, same number every time? And yeah, almost know. as if there's some intelligence to it. Because at that point, you you could uh, assume, I assume you could rule out. Okay, it's not the wind, you know, rattling a window or something like that because no. it, it, that wouldn't be consistent every time. Not consistent. Uh, it just so happened that side of the house had no windows. Um, that side of the house had no trees or any branches touching it. Uh, I even went as far as to wonder if there was a critter in the walls, like a mouse or something, but mice don't tap things with regular, you know, you know, only in the secret of Nim, the best Don Bluth movie ever made. Um, but, uh, and so I started counting these taps. I'm like, it's five every time it's a count of five and then it stops and then it resumes five again. So then at the, I wake up my wife at the time, she's dead asleep, and I wake her up, and I'm like, there's tapping on the wall. And she stops to listen, and of course, there's no tapping. Of course. And then she lays down and goes to bed, and almost as if to mock me, the tapping continues. And I'm like, this is crazy. And eventually, uh, one night I laid down and I was start, it was starting to get to me. It was very much like an Edgar Allan Poe kind of situation, like the, the, the heartbeat under the, <laughs> under the, I didn't have a guilty conscience either. There's none of that. Um, and so one night the tapping was going and I just kind of very audibly just stood up in bed and said, just stop it. I'm done. Just stop. I don't want to hear any more tapping. I'm finished. And as sure as anything, and I was afraid to acknowledge it in a weird way, like you're almost like you, you're creeped out to like give it a voice almost. Well, because at that point, once you acknowledge its presence, assuming this is a, an intelligent entity, a ghost, a spirit, what have you, if you acknowledge the presence, you almost wonder if they're going to start communicating with you even more. Right. And, and through, that was kind of my, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so what happened then after you, after you said, you know, just stop it. It just stopped. They listened. It's dead cold. <laughs> yeah. It just stopped. It never came back. Uh, not once. And I remember for a while afterwards being kind of terrified. It is so strange. Like a grown man, you go to bed, you're almost terrified to hear this tapping at your bed, but it, it never happened again. Um, and so strange, really strange to, to quote your podcast. So strange. <laughs> um, there you go. Um, and it was so strange. And there's so many different uh, thoughts out there on what that might be. And uh, personally, what I and I don't want to just be like a guy who's like, and who'll never will never know. No, I'm going to tell you what I think it was. I believe that for me, uh, there is or 
is a presence that kind of spiritually uh, was like trying to get me to pay attention to something in my life uh, to get me to kind of wake up, if you will. And it was using that quiet time, that window of time that only I was awake to be like, hey, man, hey, hey, something's up. Wake up, you know, like a guardian, almost like a guardian spirit, almost trying to get my attention. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, know, spirit activity is just that subtle. Not that tapping is subtle. I mean, clearly it was going on. It was loud, too. It was fairly loud. (laughs) But, you know, they, they, they can communicate with humans in a number of ways, whether it's through electronics, whether it's through... Um, you know, causing us to notice certain things in our surroundings. They can move physical objects. Um, yep. But that, yeah, it certainly is so strange because it's it's not it's not normal. And it was repetitive night after night after night. And yep. uh, yeah, you know, without going into too much detail about what the warning was, you know, as life played out, now you can kind of make sense out of, you know, what that what that presence was maybe trying to give you a heads up about. But Absolutely. And, I, and my advice to anybody is if you have any weird irregularities like that maybe don't assume right out of the gate that it's uh malevolent maybe maybe it's benevolent maybe it's trying to actually help you uh have you pay attention to something that maybe you're overlooking or frankly ignoring um but yeah um looking back at it i was like i feel like that was more of a of a like a a signal than it was a sort of a terrorizing of me (laughs) trying to sleep (laughs) Certainly. I, I can't help but think like, what if it was the tapping became like Morse code? And then you're like, oh man, now I got to go learn Morse code to know what this thing is trying to do. I got to go learn a language. Um, one thing I do like though, I think about this is I think by using the Ouija board, I think for myself, it almost unlocked a part of my brain that was more willing to pay attention to these kind of spiritual signals um, than maybe I would have been before. Right. Right. And I've I've said this a million times, but, you know, I think you're a highly intuitive uh, individual. So, you know, Ouija board is, you know, one of a lot of different modalities a person could use. But, uh, you know, nothing nothing is, is better than the good old uh, sixth sense, you know, right between your, you know, right in there in your heart and soul. That's where the intuition resides. And you, you have you have a good one. I appreciate it, buddy. Uh, I really and, you know, I think it's funny when you like birds of a feather kind of thing. It's like when yours and my friendship kicked off kind of the baby infancy of my being aware of and tuning into my own intuition. And it's just been kind of nice to have you to be able to kind of bounce ideas off of and share stuff with. Yeah, it's fun. You know, and then the cool thing about meeting like-minded people who are into so strange phenomena is that, you know, typically they run with people who are also open-minded and, you know, spiritually curious. So before you know it, your social circle's filled with open-minded individuals. But uh, weirdos, hey, weirdos, <laughs> weirder the better. I always say this normal a, people. Normal people are boring. So they're scary. That's what they are. <laughs> I a uh, quick sidebar to this. Uh, recently got back from a uh, a trip, a little family long a long weekend, kind of too late. I would say it's late summer, kind of get away with the kids. Uh, school had just started. Like we were like two days and school had started. But I'm like ah, whatever. We'll just do it anyway. Uh, went to uh, Eureka Springs, Arkansas, super squatchy, paranormal, weird town. And we were in one of these little curio shops. And sure as anything, uh, my girlfriend, uh, Jill, found a Ouija board from like the late 1800s, dude. Oh, wow. <laughs> home, and homegirl bought it. <laughs> and she bought it? Yes. <laughs> of course she did. Impulse buy. 
it's like an 1890s, maybe early 1900s, like maybe like maybe as as late as 19 like 10. That sucker's wood. It's like wood with the bottom. Oh, it's nuts. So yeah, we're gonna. Mm-hmm. My, we're well, good luck with that, sir. Uh, yeah, well, I, I think wood would you know hold energy. You know, it yeah. would hold energy from the past even more efficiently than like just you know a cardboard you know kind of flimsy one. But yeah, we'll, well keep you posted. All right, if people start levitating off the bed and heads are spinning around, just let me know, okay? <laughs> let you know. We'll give you a shout. Um, <laughs> so take us yeah, further. Uh, take us further back in time to story number two. Further back in time now, story number two. Uh, it's about 20, uh, 22 years ago now, and I am uh, at the time uh, recently married uh, to aforementioned uh, former wife, and we had just moved to the Omaha area from Florida. And I was starting a new job. And once again, kind of like a weird transition-y time. Seems to be a theme there. And I remember having, I wouldn't say trouble sleeping, but going to bed, but waking up feeling tired still. And I couldn't quite place it. I kind of chalked it up to starting a new job, moving, all that stuff. And one day I wake up and my, like I said, wife at the time saw my back. And on my back was written like in a vertical line, these different symbols, like with what looked like an ink pen, but it was like a, they were like hand done almost, but it was a, with a straight edge. So it looked like a, a tattoo person had almost tattooed this on me. And it was um, literally like a series of like square. I can do a sketch and show, you can put it up on your show notes, but it looked like a series of triangles, dots, and lines that were like in a vertical formation. It's like hieroglyphics. Hieroglyphic-y looking. There weren't any animals or anything, but it was basically lines and dots. And I'd say the length of it ran about maybe three inches, you know, maybe a little bit more, maybe like four inches down my back, um, like my shoulder. And, and it's in an area where I couldn't have done that myself. And so she sees that and she goes, who wrote on your back? And I look in the mirror and it kind of blows your brain when you see some weird glyphs that you haven't <laughs> written on. Yeah, it was weird. And the stranger part about it was that, and this is where it gets funny. And this is where like people could easily write this off and I wouldn't blame them. In fact, I've, I've talked about this story so rarely because it's so weird. Um, I didn't take any pictures. Mm-hmm. It didn't even dawn on us. In fact, in a weird part of our brain, it was like we were almost like like taking a picture seemed like a stupid idea. It was the strangest thing. But And this is before cell phones, so it would have been like a normal film camera. But I was going to say you didn't have the convenience of technology at your fingertips. No. But, but still, you, you probably had you know, a disposable camera or something around the house. Um, Playing around, maybe. Interesting. Well, you know, I don't want to make assumptions, but it, it is... It is strange. It's so strange that you you felt compelled, you know, almost not to take a picture, uh, you know, strapping on my tinfoil hat for just a second makes you wonder if, I don't know, maybe you were fatigued because you were being, I don't know, taken at night. Borrowed. Borrowed and and, uh, brought back safely by the aliens at night. But also, you know, if that's the case, uh, is it a stretch to think maybe they subconsciously planted an idea in your head to not document evidence of this? I, I don't know. I'm just speculating. I've had the same thought, and this is where I get it. When you come into people who only have a story, 
You know, it's like I was I've demonstrated to people before about UFO ghost stuff, anything where they're like, why don't you just take a picture with your cell phone? And I've been like, OK, let's do it. Take my phone out. Unlock my phone. Oh, wait, wrong code. Uh, <laughs> and then by the time you get to the app on your phone to fire the camera up, what you're trying to take a picture of could have gone away. Um and so I understand the idea of only being left with what you saw with your eyes, what you heard, whatever. And I had the same thought, Andy. I was like, why on God's green earth would I not have taken a photo? And all I can come up with is that on some level, there was some suggestion made to not just me, but to uh, my ex at the time that we shouldn't document it. It was just weird. And so strange that I like to this day, I'm like, I don't have any proof of this other than my memory of it. And that's it. But it's the strangest thing. On the plus side, you had at least one other witness. Um, Not that uh, an event where you're the sole witness is, you know, instantly um, not credible, but having someone else who saw it with her own eyes as well certainly helps. And that goes, you know, whether you have markings on your back, you see a, have a Bigfoot sighting or a ghost activity. It always helps to have another pair of eyes, but it's interesting. Um, yeah, it, it it is kind of a shame, though, in a way that you didn't get the picture, because now, you know, with the Internet at our fingertips, you could probably, you know, do some uh, do some searching. Um, not that that particular language would be documented online, but, you know, who knows if, what, what if it came back to be, I don't know, Chinese or some sort of uh, something. It almost reminds me of remember that time we were talking about the Randlesham Forest uh, UFO yep. sighting. This craft yep. landed in the woods, was investigated by military people, and they saw etched on the side of this landed UFO. It was almost like triangles, dots, lines, squares, yep. odd shapes, you know. Yep. When I saw that Rendlesham Forest story and the man had talked about how he was essentially downloaded with information, how it, that really struck and rung a cor- it rung a bell with me, struck a chord with me where I was like, ah, maybe <laughs> that's something similar here. Uh, the crazy part about these glyphs is people are like, well, where are they? Uh, they were on my body. And within about two or three days, they were gone. They didn't fade. They didn't just kind of they were just gone. Uh, they were on my body. They did last, I want to say, a day or two, if I remember uh, correctly. And it wasn't like they just washed off. You know how ink, if someone wa- writes on you, it takes a week for it to come off. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, especially if it's like a, like a big ink pen, like a straight-up office-style ink pen, which is what it kind of looked like. Um, but now that I got my tattoos, I, looking at the style and how it looked very tattoo-like, um, but within about two days, I'd say it was just gone as if it never existed. I was going to say, good, good thing it wasn't permanent <laughs> or maybe right. it would be good if it was permanent. Cause then we'd still have, we'd still be able to reference it and see what it is. But, yeah. Uh, and I, and I thought about following this up and maybe even you know, trying to do some regression stuff and just see maybe if anything had happened, but, um, but yeah, there's that crazy. Wow. Certainly so um, strange. Yeah. Um, traveling further back. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Get in our time machines. Now, where are we going to? What year, approximately? We are we are, we are back to around nineteen. Uh, I'd say about eighty six. So we're in the eighties, kids. We're having uh, a good time. Simpler times, good movies. Uh, 
1986. Back to the Future. Was, was uh, yeah, there. I was going to say, you got your Back to the Future. You got uh, Ghostbusters just a year or two later. You know? the, the, the Last Starfighter. You got Tron. All these great movies. You know, Flight of the Navigator. Get out of town. Talk about stealing kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, in the backdrop of this is I live in this great uh, neighborhood uh, right on the base of this mountain um, with trees. And you just as a kid, you don't realize how good you have it, you know. And then later on, you look back at it and you're like, oh, my gosh, I lived in heaven, you know. Um, and without a kid, without a joke, the back of my house was, uh, you know, you had some yard, some backyard. And then this pine forest uh, and then you just walk back there and it was like a magical world. You get back there about maybe even an eighth of a mile and everything just opens up. You're just in this giant untamed wilderness of just craziness and loved, loved going out there. And my brother and sister and I would just spend hours playing outside. Loved it. Uh, never really once had a bad time out there. And it was the summer. I remember that much because we weren't in school and uh, everybody went to bed. And this is like I said, and the house was a very like, um, it was almost like a, a split level almost, but there was like a basement area. My dad had his like workshop. My dad's a big hobbyist. He has like a thousand hobbies and was working on something and he did. He sold, he built and sold computers in the eighties. How crazy is that? <laughs> People were like, these are never going to catch on. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was crazy. He would go to Radio Shack with us and buy the raw parts. And literally make like custom computer rigs and then sell them to people. That's that's crazy. Ahead of his time, to say the least. Oh, yeah. But sort of exactly. picture people like, what computer? Well, what is that thing even gonna do? <laughs> it's bonkers. Yeah, not many people had home computers in the early eighties and my dad and we 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 had one. Um so that's kind of the environment, uh very kind of a sciencey family. But um so we're all in bed. Everybody went to bed. And I remember hearing a sound. It's a early in the morning or slash late at night. I, I would say it was around two, about two-ish in the morning. And I heard a, a noise in the living room. And so I wake up and I remember this quite vividly, even now as an adult, uh, because the floors we had in this house were all hardwood floors. And there were spots on the floor that were hyper creaky. Like you step on one spot, the whole house is like, hey! and you're like, oh, hey, someone's up. <laughs> And so there was like a specific like pattern you had to walk to avoid hitting certain boards. And the boards were like super cold, even at night in the summer, like it was just, they were just hardwood floors with no carpet. So they were just cold. It's like, it's like feet. trying to sidestep a landmine. <laughs> you're in the, you're in exactly. like a field of landmines. Exactly. And there was this like, once again, we're in the eighties where this is this thing when your parents said, go to bed, you went to bed, you didn't play games. Right. <laughs> You didn't fight. You didn't fuss. And the thing, too, back then, especially, and I said this, it's weird because it seems like our kids now want to be around us more than we wanted to be around our parents. <laughs> Dude, this is totally true. And and I've said it. I've said it, too, uh, an observation with my with my nephews. And I've seen it with my daughter, Sky as well. And when I remember when I was a kid back in the 80s, like you said, you, we go on adventures all afternoon. I didn't want to be near an adult, but no. kids nowadays, like they, they want to hang out with us. And yeah, there's also some credence to that bedtime thing that you said. Cause you know, mm. growing up as a kid is like, go to bed. Okay. I'll go to bed. Nowadays, yep. my, my daughter's bedtime routine takes like an hour. You got to snuggle. Oh, yeah. You got to read the stories. You got to, you know, which I, which I love it, but it's just, it's, yeah. we're living in different times now. 
different times. And it was like, where are the kids? Wherever the adults are not. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, yes. As it, and so the idea was like, if they say go to bed, you just went to bed because it was more time. You could, lead, you could lay in your bed, read a book. I, you know, So I never saw it as like a, a punitive thing. So the idea was, if it's the dead of night and you're a kid in the 80s just walking around the house for no reason, you're going to get in trouble. Like, <laughs> like, like just willy-nilly. Just, um, so I heard a noise in the living room. And so I get up. And I decide to go investigate because I'm like, everybody's asleep, you know. So I get out of bed and I'm walking down this hallway, like I said, navigating these creaky boards. And I remember having to twist to this day. I remember having to twist my body a certain way, feeling your hips and your knees kind of move and pivot almost unnaturally to kind of avoid this Temple of Doom style <laughs> trap in your hallway. And... And so I remember this. I remember seeing the doors of my parents' room. It was like a long hallway where all the bedrooms were. It's like my sister's room was to my left. Mine and my brother's room was at the very end of the hall. My parents' room was to the right of me. And I'm walking down this hallway. And I get down to the edge of the hallway. And to my left would be the stairs that lead down to the front door, which then also have a double landing and then lead down to the basement. And then ahead of me is the living room. And it's a fairly big living room. It wasn't a small house. Uh, it might have been a split level, but it was like a big one, you know? Like, And I look into the living room, and the light's on, which already is kind of weird, because I, my, my parents were very big on turning lights out at night, just getting them all turned off. So there was a lamp that was on a lamp table that was on. And so my eyes went right to it. Like, that's weird. The light's on. And as soon as I saw the light, my eyes go down a little bit, and I see... What I thought at first was like, maybe my my brother, but not because he's the smallest human in our house at the time. And he was still asleep in our room when I left. So I see this small like shape in the corner of this, of our living room. And the more I look, which takes about another three seconds, I see the shape is hairy. It's completely hairy. Um, the color of the hair is like a grayish brown. Like it's kind of not, there's no real pattern. It's kind of, you know, mixed in. And then when I, I keep looking and as I kind of, my eyes adjust to what's going on, I see like a, a pair of like hands and the skin on the hands looks darker than the fur. It's like black almost, it's like dark brown skin. And the skin is like covering up essentially a face, a face. Cause I, even between the fingers, I can see what I can make out to be facial features, eyes, a nose, you know, and this thing is ugly. Like it's not a good looking thing. It's terrifying looking. I mean, it, it, by, by all intents and purposes, it would, you could describe it as like a goblin or like a, maybe a, maybe a baby Sasquatch. I'm just, I'm, re, I'm, I'm going trying to understand. It's not a pretty, it's not an attractive looking thing. And it was covering its face with its hands? Its hands. It, it, it had its fingers kind of splayed out. Yeah. So to, cre to create like more surface area to hide, you know, picture like if you punched your hands up and tried to hide your face, you couldn't really do it as well if you had your fingers out and yeah. like double, ha double hands. And, and you could see between the fingers a little bit and I could see like I, I could make out eyes and a face and a face. And I realized in that minute, like this thing doesn't know I can see it. Mm -hmm. Like it thinks, cause I haven't said a word. I feel what I can only describe as ice cold fear <laughs> just running down my body. 
So I'm frozen. I'm just fro. I'm speechless. And I'm looking at this thing. And it takes me about a solid couple seconds to realize that it, it doesn't know that I can see it. The only reason why it's like staying there is because it thinks if it doesn't move, I, I won't do anything. So I basically have realized like we're at a, we're at a stalemate. <laughs> like I can't react because I was like horrified to see this thing like get up, move around, run across the room. I was like the best play here is no play, and so. I literally, as a ten-year-old, I'm like thinking these like like machinations in my brain. Like, I I dare not do anything. So I literally like pretended I didn't see it, and the light was on a switch. And so I I did not turn the light off. Now that I remember that, I I put my hand up on the wall and I just turned around and walked back to my room. Like I like like nothing had happened. And then I go to bed and I try to sleep, air quotes, and I don't. I'm wide awake the whole night. And then the next one, I mean, I'm so awake. The sun comes up. I can see it getting light outside. People start stirring. And I just climb out of bed. And I did tell my mom. And she was just like, you know, the classic, like, oh, you were probably having a weird dream and all this stuff. And and, uh, to this day, I think about that 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 creature i don't have a lot of what sounds to be sane <laughs> explanations for that but there you go wow i mean you can rule out a dream based on the fact that you laid in bed for the rest of the night and could not sleep why do we um now throughout the night i'm sure all your senses were heightened when you went to lay back in bed did you ever hear any more creaks or noises or anything stirring in, in the living room after that nothing not a sound i remember being particularly terrified that it might decide to come into my room. Oh gosh. Yeah. And you're 10. I'm 10 and I'm laying in my bed, bottom bunk, by the way. Oh, and I'm sitting and I'm sitting here. Like I don't know what to do. And once again, we're back at this weird mindset. Like, why didn't I scream? Why didn't I yell? Why didn't I get my parents? I'm, I don't know, but I laid in bed and was just terrified that this thing might decide to check me out. And I didn't hear a thing. I didn't hear any rustling, moving, clinking around, nothing. And so there's no real experience beyond that with that thing. Oh my gosh. That'll, that'll make your skin crawl. That'll give you goosebumps. Uh, Yeah. So there you have it, people. Uh, Goblins might be, might in fact be real. And just based on the fact that you didn't hear any rustling or or any uh, commotion, you know, obviously the next morning it wasn't there, which, you know, kind of takes you down the path of are these things, whatever they are, are they interdimensional? Are they popping in and out of our existence as opposed to like, you know, uh, squeezing through the dog door and running back into the woods, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What got me the next day was when I did walk out. I fully expected to see it still like in that space where it was, was still very much, you know, there, but I almost expected to see it there. And then nothing, nothing was there. Um, But once again, no real sign of it, no like footprints and no, nothing, no muddy handprints on anything. I mean, it seemed to me, I remember this much and granted this is, you know, 30 odd years ago now, but what I remember the most was that it was intelligent. Like it knew enough to hide its face 
and to keep quiet. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, almost, um, almost reminds me of my cat Darwin when he gets all frisky and he, he, uh, kind of darts behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah. But I can yeah. see his, I can see his big old butt and his tail wagon and he thinks, he thinks he's hiding, but he's not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, if, if I can't, yeah. If, yeah. If he can't see my face, he can't see any of me at all. It's it crazy. Of, like, I've, Reminds me of Jurassic Park, right? Where if you don't move, the T Rex can't see you. That's what I thought, and that's what it thought. Like, it, it was this dumb kid, this yeah. dumb kid can't see me if you can't if I don't move. It was it was nuts. Like to this day, like I said, I think about this as a grown man, and I I, I don't share it with everyone. But hey, now I am. Hey, everybody, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I like this story because uh, it's it's an oddball one. You don't you know you hear. Not, you know, not that ghost stories and UFO stories are a dime a dozen, but they do occur with, you know, frequency. Goblin stories, uh, no, that's in like the miscellaneous paranormal drawer. And uh, this account is, your account, Eddie, is the only one of uh, somebody that I personally know who who has had a sighting of one of these things. But that is so strange. If you want, if you want height, if you want dimensionality too, I would say just based on how it was hunched down and how tall the table was and how it was able to hide behind it, this thing couldn't have been more than three feet tall. Yeah. If that, you know, three Which, feet tall, long arms, um, disproportionate looking in a way, like a bigger face than what it almost belonged having on it. Just weird. So a little disproportionate. It's weird how, you know, obviously, you know, Bigfoot sightings, dogman sightings, you know, these massive creatures, obviously they're terrifying, but I think there's a, a high scare factor to little creatures too. You know, I don't know mm-hmm. what it is, just the, just that three foot. Cause if it's not a child, um, I mean, really not many creatures are that, that small in stature. So it's, it's yeah. interesting. And I'm, I'm going to definitely have you back on the, the show sometime soon, Eddie, because I know you have about a million and a half stories that our listeners would love to hear. Uh, but, uh, thanks for being a guest on, on the season finale. And, uh, it's been, it's been fun. No, thank you, man. I appreciate it. It's been a great time. All right. We'll catch you next time, Eddie. See ya. Huge thanks to Eddie, my brother from another mother. Uh, Really love hearing his stories. He has a lot of them, too, by the way. Now, the goblin, or whatever the heck he saw in his living room, kind of reminds me of a strange creature that might be lurking right here in my home city of Omaha. And it's a relatively new cryptid, or at least so I thought. Now, back when I was a a young kid, uh, my grandma uh, lived in the Benson area of Omaha. It's kind of an older district. And I remember, you know, to get to her house, we'd often drive past uh, this really creepy looking house. And not that many of you are familiar with the layout of Omaha, but for those who do live here, uh, it's on 69th Street, just, uh, just, that would be east, uh, excuse me, just north of Maple Street on 69th. But this house just always gave me the willies. And if, if you could imagine, this house was dilapidated. Nobody ever lived there. There was windows broken. Um, there was on the front side of the house near the sidewalk was a brick wall. And, you know, on top of the brick wall was this kind of a elaborate kind of swooping wooden decoration. I don't even know how to describe it. It almost looked gothic or medieval. Uh, maybe that was just my, you know, childhood imagination running crazy, but it it looked unique, truly unlike any other house in the neighborhood or any other house that I had ever seen, frankly. But the yard was was kind of what I could see of the yard 
was littered with just random stuff. I mean, there was like, I remember like a broken birdbath. There was little garden gnome statues that were busted up and broken. They were old, you know, rusty yard decorations, uh, a lot of weeds, just oddball kind of stuff. Just, you know, imagine like a horror movie. And that's, <laughs> that's kind of what this place was. And the strangest thing was, you know, every year or two, uh, you'd see some construction going on. There'd be a construction crew and they'd start working on things and they'd start fixing it up. And then a couple months later, you know, the, the project would come to a halt and it would again be left vacant and, and empty and condemned, quite frankly. And then a couple years later, construction would start up. But this went on for years and years and nobody ever finished it. And it, it just every time you'd go by the house, you couldn't help but look at it. And and again, you know, kind of the uh, if you could imagine like an archway made of brick um, that kind of led to the front door. And it was just ominous driving past. You couldn't help but gawk at this thing. And so in 2008, my grandma who lived in that neighborhood, she actually passed away. I, I was fortunate enough to be able to buy her home. It had been, you know, recently put on the market and renovated and I was able to purchase it and I lived there, which was great because, you know, all the familiar, nostalgic, um, you know, things from my youth. I had spent a lot of time there with my grandma as a kid and it had all the familiar smells and scents and memories. And living there, you know, obviously I would drive past this creepy house on 69th Street just about every single day to and from work. Now at the time... I was uh, living with my girlfriend. I can't remember. She may have even been my fiance by this point in time, but her name's Kenzie. Uh, she's now the mother of my daughter. Um, she's currently my ex-wife, but at the time, I, I think she was my fiance. And she was a nurse, and she worked uh, very early shifts um, during this particular stretch. And it was winter time, and she, I remember she had to get up uh, like before the sun came up. And uh, Kenzie would. You know, she'd go up 69th Street and she'd drive up it and she'd look at this creepy house every single day. And I remember this was a, a cold winter morning and she called me when she got to work and she said, you'll never believe what I saw on the way to work. And I said, what did you see? She says that as she was approaching that creepy garden gnome house, basically is what we had started calling it on account of the garden gnome figurines that were in the front yard. As she was driving past that, she said from her left to her right, across the street ran this tiny little creature now she said it was no more than maybe two feet tall and she said it was black it, w it had visible arms and legs and she said it was on two feet she was adamant about that she said it was not a squirrel it was not a raccoon it was not a dog or a cat this thing was extremely fast and it was on two feet um, it was too fast to be a child but it was too small to be an adult and this thing ran across the street directly in front of her car. It ran through the archway and into the yard of the of the creepy house. And then it just disappeared. Um, you know, I, I continued to ask for more information. Her story never changed. She, Kenzie never elaborated or embellished. It's just what happened, and she couldn't make sense of it. You know, being a uh, obviously an enthusiast of all things strange... I thought, great, cool, I'm going to share this story with other people. And, uh, you know, at the time, I was, just like I do now, I, I was giving a lot of lectures on paranormal and spiritual and metaphysical topics, and we had an upcoming paranormal convention that was about to take place at, a, um, at the University of Nebraska at Omaha, 
and this paranormal convention, I was invited to be one of the keynote speakers. And I, you know, I shared some ghost stories and whatnot, and I, I included this story of, you know, what, what we had started to call the garden gnome incident, not knowing what what Kenzie actually saw. So I tell this story. You know, people are, you know, nodding, and you know, some people are intrigued, and some people are scratching their head, and I had no explanations either. But what I didn't prepare for was a gentleman in the very back row. He stood up, raised his hand. Somebody handed him the the extra mic, and he says, "Well, I believe you, because I saw the same damn thing in the same neighborhood back in the 1970s." And as you can imagine, you know, record scratches, jaws drop. Um, you know, I'm begging this guy for more information. Turns out his name was Carl.、Uh, coincidentally, Carl.、Uh, He's since passed away, but Carl、uh, was the father of Kelly Kennedy, the ghost investigator who w- appeared on our show earlier this episode. But this is the first time that I met Carl and his family was at this paranormal convention. So Carl stands up and he says, "Yeah, I, I saw the same thing back in the 1970s." So apparently, what happened?、Uh, Carl was, you know, of college age back back then, and. He was、uh, hanging out with some buddies of his in a in a basement in the Benson neighborhood, only a couple blocks from where Kenzie saw the little garden gnome creature. And he says they were hanging out, goofing around. And he looked up towards the ceiling. There was a little—I、uh, don't know what you call it—a little recess window, kind of like a small window in the basement that was up towards the ceiling. And he says in the window was a tiny little creature. He says. He couldn't tell. The best thing he could compare it to was a was a gnome or a elf or maybe a leprechaun. But the strangest thing, when the little creature in the window saw Carl, it looked startled. It looked surprised, almost as if、uh, it wasn't used to being to having people see it. And it looked really concerned when Carl noticed it and pointed it out to all the other buddies in the room. At this point in time, Carl says the little creature took off. Now him and his buddy, his buddies didn't even know what he had seen, because by the time they looked at the window, this thing had taken off. But they saw Carl's excitement. All the guys run up the stairs. They dash out the door. They do catch a glimpse of this little creature dashing across the street, and he says it was about maybe two feet tall on two legs. And this thing slid, almost like imagine a、uh, baseball player sliding into home plate. But it was so small in stature, it slid underneath of a parked car, near the curb, and kind of like it was hiding underneath there. Well, you know, Carl and his buddies run over and they they get down on their hands and knees and they look underneath the car and they didn't see anything. This thing had had vanished before their very eyes. And、uh, I don't know, you know what what this thing is, we may never know. You know, was it the same little being in both instances, or do we have ourselves a small population of these little creatures? Are they benevolent or malicious? Are they benign or mischievous? You know, it, it, we're kind of left with more questions than answers. And、uh, in recent years, the Garden Gnome House, as we've come to call it, has finally been completely renovated.、Uh, looks completely different nowadays. Uh, brand new house, and I don't often drive past there anymore since I don't live in that neighborhood. But when I do, the place looks cozy and peaceful. A family has moved in.、Um, you know, a warm glow from inside the house can be seen through the front windows, and all seems well, totally normal, totally quiet, for now at least. But part of me can't help but wonder if that family knows. You know, have they seen anything odd? Have they? 
seen a little creature that doesn't quite belong in our reality as we know it. You know, I've yet to work up the courage to knock on their door and ask. I guess part of me doesn't want to alarm them, but I think the other part of me doesn't need to know what that little creature is or was. You know, was it a real-life gnome, an elf, a leprechaun? Who knows? Uh, you know, maybe the element of mystery is what's most intriguing. It's the not knowing, the wondering, the what-ifs that keep me curious. It's what, yeah, honestly, it's what keeps me up at night, but it's also what keeps me young at heart. You know, maybe the, the pursuit of strange phenomena is just as fun as discovering the, mystery, the, the mysteries that we go in search of. You know, as they say, perhaps the journey truly is more important than the destination. But we'll keep on searching for things that can't quite be explained and we'll never run out of content because we live in a world that is absolutely, positively so strange. <laughs>